Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today, and welcome to episode 313 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it's Dustin with Last Stand Media. How are you, Maddie? I'm doing all right. Right when I said 313, I had a Sammy Sprinkler moment. I don't know if the camera ever picks it up, but I sprayed my microphone. And oh. uh, yeah, like a little and uh, I can I can clean off some of it here. I think we're good. But otherwise, I'm doing well. Yeah, I've done that during sacred symbols. And I was like, could you see me spitting on camera? Hopefully not. But yeah. here's the thing. Obviously, spitting while you're talking is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Literally, it happens to everyone. Yes. Like it just it you happens. Can't control sometimes. It, you just can accidentally spit. Yeah. And sometimes it. I, what's what sucks is I'm very reactive. So like when I spit, I like mm. I shoot my head back. Like I'm the one who just got spit on. Cause I'm like, oh shit! Like that just that came out of my mouth for no reason. Um, right. I, I had the same thing. Whenever I'm recording a video, if I spit, I'm just like, do I start over this part? Because no. I don't know if I <laughs> if it just totally distracts so, from the point I was making. <laughs> here's a thought, Maddie. Now, here's what is the etiquette about accidentally spitting? Because you know, you're in elementary school and you accidentally spit on someone. And it's like, you just spit on me. Yes. You know, like that. And you're like, yes. You're like, okay, come on. Like if someone, yeah. if I accidentally feel a, a sprinkle of something from someone, I'm going to ignore it. I'm just going to act like it didn't happen because I know they didn't mean to and I'm not going to embarrass them. Right. You know? Right. You're a good so, person for that, especially e- even nowadays, right? Like with, with COVID and everything, you know, just shooting a little spit no. on someone. Just, man, that'd be a little scary. Right. You're, you're I mean, if someone was point. consistently spitting as they were talking, I would just move <laughs> away from the situation or something. I mean, unless someone's intentionally spitting on me or something, then I would, <laughs> that's a little different. But that's like, here's the thing. If I accidentally spit on somebody while speaking, I would kind of hope that they just wouldn't say anything. and I, Or I would apologize instantly if I realized. But sometimes you don't realize. And then someone's like, oh, you spit on me. It's like, yeah, 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 because I meant to do that on purpose. Come yeah. on. You know what's worse, you know, I think, dynamic. is uh, is dropping your gum while you're talking. Have you ever had that? Like, I've been mid-sentence. I actually met a viewer at PAX, oh, what year is it? I want to say 2016 or 17. I was talking to him a ton. And I don't even, it was one of, it's the same thing with spitting, right? It just, it's almost like the gum leapt out of my mouth and just hit the floor. Oh, no. And before it hit the floor, not only that, mid-conversation, I catch it, throw it back in my mouth, and keep talking to him like nothing happened. Because I'm like, I'm going to be cool as a cucumber with this shit. And he he tweeted about it, like, a couple hours after the fact when when we dispersed. So he, like, noticed it, was polite enough not to say anything, and then he roasted me Then he blasted you. Yeah, then he he wrote me on blast. Yeah. 
I was like, oh, what the man. fuck is that? <laughs> Dude. See, I don't – so I have never – I don't think I've ever had an interaction meeting – well, no. I've had one interaction at PAX where someone talked to me about uh, when I was just editing Sacred Symbols that they said, you know, oh, I, I really enjoy the content. I was like, cool, thanks. Mm. Um, that's Sorry, that's, that sounded very pa- – cool, thanks. No, cool, I was thanks. actually very appreciative. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but I've not – I've never talked to – Wait, no, I did. Okay, you know what? I did have one uh, pretty awesome interaction with a fan who was in town and mentioned that they were at Ben's Speakeasy. Mm-hmm. And I, they had lightly mentioned before that they were going to be in town. I was like, okay. So I went down and, and talked to them for a bit, and they were very cool. But nice. um, the thing that I don't know if fans, at least for you and me, do you feel not nervous but slightly like you want to make sure you are you live up to the expectation. Yeah, like, I, you know, uh, not the expectation. I, I, I don't that, want this uh, on ego, but no, I get what you mean though, and uh, you know, because there's a certain energy we bring versus you know our day to day, where like I think we have. I I try to keep my energy authentic, but it's also like I'm not like what's up, guys, when I walk into a room. Like I'm not that dude. Right. But yeah, it's funny because when I was at the Mets game, uh, someone recognized me there, and it was pretty cool. But it had been so long that I was just like totally chill about it. Um, but I also mess with him in a way where like, I typically mess with my friends where, cause he's, I said this on defying Duke. So I apologize for the overlap for anyone, but you know, he, he, I stepped out of the bathroom. It's at the bottom of the ninth, you know? And so I'm, I'm just like totally minding my business going to my buddy. And this guy goes like, wait, I know you, like he hits me with the Skyrim. Right. And, uh, mm. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, oh, so, so the way I messed with him, I was like, oh, I was like, where, where do you know me from? Cause, you know, he caught me so off guard. I was like, not going to be like, I feel like an egotistical douchebag when I'm like, yo, what's up? Like, yeah, of course, you know me. I'm Mr. Maddie. Yeah, right. Of course, you know yeah. me. I'm easily mistakable. Right. So, yeah, I changed my approach this time. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's dude. I think we've had this conversation lightly. People, people have asked me, what's it? Do people talk like, do you, what's it like? Do you go out and people recognize you? I'm like, no, I'm, we're not. Maddie, you no. and I, we are amongst a a certain like community like if we go to an event like a pax sure people will recognize us but it's not like i honestly don't know if there's anybody in my hometown that knows what i do at all and i actually kind of prefer it that way yeah dude i'd rather just kind of live on the off the radar if you will you know i don't i don't need the the public spotlight i don't like it in fact it's it it, i know it's kind of directly opposes what i do for a living but there is a difference between sitting there on camera and just doing your thing and then living your life and just being stopped on the street constantly not that it's annoying you know like when right. that person stopped me at the mets game it was amazing because i was like holy shit i forgot this feeling of of like yeah being recognized and and kind of having your work validated outside of a, a comment right to me right. that's where it all comes from but how did we even get to this? What was it? We, we were living up to expectations. Oh. We were talking about spitting gum. You were saying that you dropped the gum. Yeah. Yeah. Which, okay, since we're on the rabbit hole, briefly. Of dropping the gum, very embarrassing. A few times in my life, I've been talking to someone. This, I think, even happened to me when I was a teenager, like talking to a girl or something. I just oh, straight up man. drooled. Just oh, like. Oh, yeah, Ooh. I've had that. And you're like, yeah. Wow. How how could this happen to me? Yeah. I on, like honestly just end your end my life at this point. Like I, I, the embarrassment is too high. Yeah, right. Especially in high school where like a dork like me, my shot, my chances were like like a fraction, and just you know <laughs> something like that happens, and it's a death sentence. You're like, well, I'm fucked now. There's no way I'm 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 getting there. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. anyway, 
ladies and gentlemen, last episode of Ham Radio was demonetized. So. Holy I, shit. Yeah, right? That hasn't happened to any of my videos. I curse way more on my general do? content. I don't know. I, it just it, it just demonetized us. Um, and that's the thing is I know YouTube used to be very, like, in your face with demonetization when they first made a transition around. I want to say like 2017, 2018. But since then, right. in my experience, it has lightened up. Um, and I think it's because of their little monetization system now where it's a trust system. And as long as you continue to accurately rate your videos – they will not demonetize you, so that hasn't been a problem. But our last time radio was demonetized, which I, I saw it. I was like, "What?" Um, That's weird. The the show doesn't really make us money at all, anyway. But if anyone's interested in supporting just the general content offerings, um, Ham Radio and what may become of Ham Radio, do consider supporting our Patreon. It's linked down below. Early access to the show. We just did our Patreon Q and A, where I sat down for close to an hour. Uh, just answering everyone's questions that they were sending over on the Discord. It was a really fun time. It's a good way to get to know your boy a little bit more in his creative process. One-on-one, mano-a-mano. So if you're into that, it's over on the Patreon. And once again, we just launched our patron-fueled project, The Life and Death of Dead Space. Uh, spent a couple months on that. It's doing all right so far. But um, if you have missed it, please do check it out. It's almost a half-hour breakdown of the series, a retrospective um and it's something that i think those who are longtime fans will appreciate and those who are just hopping in thanks to the remake will also appreciate so with all my housekeeping out of the way dustin is there anything you want to throw out there or shall we get into what we're playing Mm, stuff i want to throw out there you know besides gum and spit anything you want right yeah we definitely don't don't want that Right. No, I'm excited to talk about uh, new video games, actually. Oh. So let's, I think we should just dive in. All right. Hold on. I am orchestrating this bar here. Okay, perfect. Let's do it then. Let's talk about what we're playing. So you got something in mind. Let's hear it. Yes. Last night, I played almost an entire campaign of Back for Blood. Mm. And I was playing with uh, actually some mutual friends. Yes, indeed. Uh, both of us. I was playing with. Dustin, uh, I felt our- so bad. <laughs> I just want to say on a side note. Why? When you texted me, you're like, hey, oh. we're, we're playing. You want to play with us? And I'm like, Dustin just sent me a code. Then my buddy sent me a code. And he was like, hey, you want to play? Like, I got a group. And I was like, oh, sure. And then Dustin texts me like half an hour later, like, hey, we're playing. I'm like, fuck. Dude. No, it's all good. I'm sure there will be many, many that's, more that's true. times ahead. But so I was playing with our friend uh, Jimmy Champagne, who mm-hmm. runs PS Ready, a great YouTube channel. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And, of course, my co-host, one of the co-hosts of Sacred Symbols, Chris Raygun, mm. was playing with us as well. And this game, first of all, it's the open beta right now. Well, so it's open beta, but you have to either get a code. You can get a code from Warner Brothers, which I signed up like I had one in my email 
which I didn't even look for because I just went and pre-ordered it on Steam with the intent. I was just going to cancel it just because it's coming to Game Pass. But I was like, yeah, pre-ordering is a guaranteed way. Valve will always give you the refund on a pre-order. So mm-hmm. I just did that. Smart. And then I ended up getting the code from Warner Brothers, like not not an, as a like a, a podcast or anything, but just because I signed up months ago. Right. So it's early access. Eventually, it's going to be open for anybody, but it's pretty easy to get in right now. Um, not, it's not too difficult. Just if you pre-order it, uh, somewhere where you can cancel it, then you can, you know, get in. No problem. So overall though, um, I think this game is pretty good. Hmm. Uh, there are a few things that I am unsure of about it, but I feel like I need more time specifically. Let's say the good stuff. Uh, the gun, the guns feel great. I really like. Yeah. Uh, the way they feel. It's very important. You know, you got ADS, aim down sight on this, which is something Left 4 Dead didn't have. But there's also like an attachment system that I'm a little unsure about. Hmm. And there's also this, li- well, we'll get into this, but just to touch briefly, the card system, I was really unsure about, but then I realized it's kind of non-intrusive. It's not as intrusive as I thought. This There's like a, a whole system where you like, apply modifiers to your game as you go but i've heard i've been hearing things that people are not pleased with the pvp that the pvp is not like left 4 dead at all it's not a campaign pvp playthrough it's like some other mode it's very and as of right now there's no intention to do campaign pvp yeah which i think they'll break on that because that i'm guessing as more and more people play this beta, everyone's all the Left 4 Dead fans are gonna be like, "Where's campaign PvP?" Yeah, like, that's the most striking, obviously, thing to me. It's very uh, reminiscent of Halo Infinite and Battle Royale that they're like, "Oh, we only care about the battle rifle as a BR." Um, and I, I when I heard that, I'm like, "You guys will eventually break." And I think this is right. a same exact situation. So, but, uh, I yeah, I played it as well. I finished right, yeah. whatever offering they had you know as part of the first act part of the fourth act i want to say um just to get some variety in there i messed around with the versus mode as well i enjoyed it quite a bit um i'm no left for dead buff but i played a ton of left for dead too like i think many out there have um i i feel like what this game needs more than anything though a lot of people look to the campaign versus and for me i think it's modding i think to me that's really what made left for dead so fun to go back into those campaigns was you know the sound effects you could put in how you could change the zombies the weapons you could add all that stuff and a, and plus the, the steam workshop is the, one of the easiest to use modding platforms you just click on what you want subscribe that's it it's in your game um it's so easy anyone can do it and so i think that also helped them out so i do hope that they do open up some type of modding workshop for this game if possible Addy, where were you playing on uh, the Xbox, the PlayStation? I was, I was playing on PC. Uh, yeah, oh, I know, shit, I know, Maddie. I know. Now that is one thing, Maddie, is that uh, this is—I mean, it's beta, but it's not really beta. It feels pretty much done. Like really, like at this point, they'll probably just be tuning things. Yeah. But I was playing this game at 4K oh. with DLSS on. I could have had it on the uh, the quality mode, but I had it on balanced. I was getting 120 FPS or above. Mm. 
And I was like, man, this game is running pretty rock solid. I had some network issues. Like we were having initially, I wasn't able to start a match with the three of us. So I had to, I quit out and then we started a new match where Chris was the leader and then he was able to start us Mm, like, okay, that's, but I mean, that's, these are more, these betas are like network stress tests, but no one wants to call it that. They just want to call it beta. So it sounds important. Whatever. Right. Um, But sorry, go on. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, um, so yeah, the PC and it, you have a, an older PC at this point. How did it run for you? It ran perfectly fine. Yeah, it was at 1440p, 60 FPS. Um, it seems pretty well optimized because my PC, I'm running like a 980 Ti i7 quad core. You know, good, but not really necessarily top of the line uh, for today's standards. And yeah, it's still running well. I built this PC in 2015. So the fact that this game's running at pretty high settings at 60 FPS was pretty impressive to me. Um I, uh, I the first campaign we played was on easy because my friend had played the alpha and he said that the alpha was very horrendously balanced. It was not fun. So we started off on easy. It was quite the breeze. Then I don't know if you tried this, went to the other end of the spectrum. Cause I think this is the most fun way to play life or dead hardest difficulty. We tried nightmare. And this is where I think the card system is going to get interesting because of course we got washed. Wasn't really even close. We got completely destroyed. Um, I don't know if there was a balancing issue there because it felt like every corner we turned, there was a new special zombie. Plus, the zombies had more health and more damage. But without being able to fully explore that card system, I'm not quite sure. But it was a lot more fun this way, I'll say. Because every encounter and shot, of course, with friendly fire being active and having, I think it's 50% more damage in this difficulty um when you combine all that together the campaigns feel a lot more intense where those levels that are on the easier difficulties kind of a breeze and shorter now are a little more butt clenching and i Mm. found myself enjoying the game more this way um did you ever try the harder difficulties whether it be left for dead or now back for blood i think oh well yeah when for left for dead we definitely tried the harder difficulties and man they were they were rough yeah uh but fun so i think that we played on normal when we were playing through but what was interesting is that when we started it was very easy we were blitzing through it Mm -hmm. and we were playing through all of the available levels and we ran out of continues on the second to last level in the campaign like we couldn't we didn't finish oh really? and i'm trying to figure out so they're bringing back uh the game director which is something that it's like an adaptive difficulty do you know what i'm talking about here like i have a an article up says the main duties of the game director in each game is to challenge the group of players and make it so no two gameplay sessions are alike You'll see various differences each time you enter a game of Back for Blood and need to work and react alongside your teammates to survive the countless ridden. Oh, yeah. This game with the fucking words that aren't zombies. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. Dude, there Chris, must be some Chris, type of trademark on the word zombie that we don't know there, about. I don't think so. Like, I can't. I mean, let's see. That or these marketing companies are seeing that the word zombie tanks your sales. Because people go, another zombie game is like, oh, what if they're ridden, though? 
let's see. Here's an article from Screen Rant posted October 2020. How Marvel Comics lost their trademark on zombies. Marvel used to have the trademark on the word zombie. How did they get it? How did they lose it? And how is it tied to fan favorite Marvel zombies? So, hmm. mm, I don't know. This is so interesting. Because, dude, when, when we saw that that was the, t- the name, Chris was like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Like <laughs> The fact that it's like, it's, it's not as bad as Freakers, of course. Freakers is the absolute bottom of the barrel when it comes to alternate zombie names from uh, Days Gone, mm-hmm. right? Clickers, you know, from, well, no, what are they? So in The Last of Us, Clickers is a type of, in fact, I, I think yeah. they just call them infected, right? Yeah, if I remember correctly. No zombies, though. And then, of course, Walking Dead, they call them I think walkers. World War Z called them zombies, at least. Right. Man, but ridden. Yeah. That's so, I, I hate that. Yeah, I agree. But anyway, this game director feature, I'm trying to figure out if it's something you turn on or if it just does it when you play. I'm genuinely not sure, but I think it seems to be a general focus for the game because when you look at the card system, I feel like that's also designed to sort of be this no two sessions are quite alike because you have a starter card and then you you draw a card for every uh, round you complete, so to say. And by the end right. of the campaign, as things have sort of climaxed, you have like a full deck that you're using and, and your team can buy buffs at the shop. Um, what I'm curious is how you feel about this system overall. I was looking into some of the supply lines of what they call them, where you can go chronologically and unlock more skins and uh, sprays as well as these cards. And where you sit with them, because there were some pretty crucial ones I noticed at the end of the line, like run and gun, where you could run and shoot a lot easier. Um, right. or, or there was no penalty for mobility when strafing or moving backwards, which a lot of people are saying, oh, it feels clunky, it feels sticky. Perhaps this is a card that would help. And the reason I ask all of this is because I think of a kind of offshoot game here, uh, but one that may be relevant in this conversation, which is Star Wars Battlefront 2. And how its star card system, the game's balance is very reliant on it, um, almost almost damagingly so, I will say, even in its best days, because it, it wasn't really new player friendly. So, with all of that in mind, where do you sort of sit on this, albeit new system, but um, is it fitting to you? Do you like it? Do you see potential in it? So... Like I said, when we first started the game and I saw this card system, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> please don't. Uh, and then as we were playing, I didn't find it as annoying just because you kind of like make your choices at the beginning of a round. And then in between rounds, you can set up your your decks and such. So. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little mixed on it. And I also I mean, sure. it's still so early just because they're so limited in what cards you can get. And I honestly am not fully sure how a lot of them work. <laughs> like, what was so? There's like the corrupted cards, yeah. And that's like that's like a, a modifier to the entire game. That I makes like it harder. I like those a lot personally. I think the corrupted cards are cool because they're out of your hands, and they're just like, here's what's happening. And so they'll sometimes say like, these ridden are doing more damage, or here's how you've got to finish this mission. I personally like that. I like that dynamic element mm-hmm. to it. So, 
it's part of i'm a little i'm mixed just because it's i think what they're going for the, the idea that they're like we don't want it to get boring we want to make the games feel dynamic and that they change sure and no two rounds are alike and i get that um if i had a pref if i had a choice to play a classic mode that did not have that i would probably pick that Right now, I need to give it more time. I, I don't want to be unfair to it, but like, sure. I like the aspect of Left 4 Dead where it's like you played the same campaigns over and over. At least we did. Uh, like, I remember Christmas break, the year that Left 4 Dead came out, we played the same campaigns over and over, and you start to master them and it almost mm-hmm. had this speedrun feel to it. It's not really a speedrun, but you could right. figure out, like, okay, this is a choke point that we need to be careful of. Uh, you know, sometimes a witch spawns here, stuff like that. Yeah. So I liked that, that aspect of it. And it especially was good in campaign PVP because you could really, uh, develop strategies and and stuff like that, which not to say that you can't develop strategies with this card system. Um, but something that Jimmy and Chris and I were discussing, it was like, do sometimes I, I can't stand unnecessary systems in games. I'm not saying this is unnecessary, but I'm like, I don't know if this game needs this. Like, I don't know if this is what I'm looking for from mm-hmm. the next version of a Left 4 Dead game. Like, yeah, Left 4 Dead for me. And this could, this is all preference, by the way. This is just what I'm looking for. Some people probably want this level of customization. But for me, it's like. I really liked the focusing in the the strategy came from the team play, the gameplay or the the team aspect with your with uh, your other players. Right. Uh, you know, getting around the map, the choke points, um, stuff like that. But what do you think? Was it annoying? Was it interesting? I, at least I I liked it personally to some extent. You know, I could see where it would get annoying, and the only thing I kind of worry about is eventually once everyone finds out, like, what's the good loadout. You sort of grab that and probably just stick with it, and then that dynamic element, that sense of discovery is gone, where... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Sort of the benefit of this game is, is of course, with the original developers of Left 4 Dead working on it, you can see how closely tied to that series it is. At the same time, though, it's a bit of an Achilles heel because people want certain things directly from that game in Back for Blood. Um, and one of the things that people forget because, you know, because it's so good and, uh, heavily modded and there's so much content there is that left 4 dead 2 is very old and the reason i bring that up is because they've had a lot of time to pump new campaigns into it um where people sort of developed a routine with it and that perhaps back for blood may feel a bit a little bit lighter in comparison uh which i don't think it can help uh so i i do feel like with this game i hope people it's one of the rare times I'll sit there and be like, I hope people remain patient with it because I feel like it can get dismissed pretty easily. It's, oh, this isn't Left 4 Dead. 
and sort of be this swan song story uh like two years down the line when they're like this is what we were looking for as they have like four more campaigns in there and they add pvp versus or uh, not pvp versus a campaign pvp um but ultimately when it came to the card system i i see potential in it more so in the corrupted side because you know for me personally like it was like 20 percent move speed or or reload or 10 percent ammo and they were almost intangibles that made an impact, but not so powerfully in my case that I didn't notice him. Um, the main thing I noticed will probably be like I healed three or I think it was two health for every melee kill I had. So I combined that with a card that gave me a knife for melee so I would get my health back fast. Those are more active cards that I did enjoy. So if there's more like that, I think this system has a lot more potential. Um, but ultimately... I felt like it eventually faded into the background where, to me, the corrupted cards were more attractive as it was this, you know, how is the game truly changing? You know, one of them was this level we were going through the the woods and the swamps, and it was foggy. We got a corrupted card that made it foggy out. Um, so it was tough to spot some of the special uh, ridden, and they would grab mm-hmm. us from the shadows, and, and it was kind of cool. Like, we had to slow our pace a little bit where... A lot of this game is W King. You know, you're just going straight the whole time. Um, I was actually pretty captured by that element for sure. Did you play any of the versus mode though? No. Yeah. We oh. well, we were surprised just by how long it took us to play through the yeah, campaign they were, stuff. They were longer. We were. I think I can't remember what time we started, but I know that by the time we were done, it was like a little after midnight and. He I was me at nine forty five. So oh, okay, so we yeah we went over About two, two hours, hours. Yeah. playing through that, which we were probably at a disadvantage because I mean definitely out of a disadvantage because we there's only three of us and then yeah the bot I think we had a human person for a while and they eventually skipped out and so we had a <laughs> bot for a while but uh so yeah we were at a disadvantage because of that but I am hoping I want to this weekend play the versus mode even though. I don't know. I'm 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 hearing from a lot of people they thought it was disappointing. Hmm. But interesting. Um I don't know. I want to try it for myself. Just because I, you know, I would I I could see Left 4 Dead, like hardcore Left 4 Dead fans uh being disappointed just because it's not exactly what they wanted. But Yeah, exactly that. And I think that's where my opinion sort of fits that mold as someone who didn't have this predetermined expectation uh based off right. something I had played. For me, I was just kind of going in as, what is this thing? What is versus mode? Because I barely paid attention to Back for Blood. Outside of hearing it was for Game Pass, that's when I started to ramp up my checking in on this game because I thought it was important for defining Duke and in turn my channel. Um, but I was just like looking at it as like, okay, new Left 4 Dead game's coming. Nice. So I hopped into this, and it's a little gimmicky, but it's sort of that... I, I, I It's like a 360 multiplayer game. Uh, that PS3 360 era where... It doesn't feel quite staple on, but it's almost like, hmm, did this need to exist? And that sounds like an insult, but then you get something kind of cool, like you get your Bioshock 2s, your Dead Space 2 multiplayer, like those, huh, not why I bought the game for, this isn't bad. That's sort of how I felt with Back for Blood. I don't think Versus will be the mode that's really populated heavily, but when I was playing as the Ridden, not really when I was playing as the humans trying to survive. Because for them, it's just like, how long can you survive before you eventually all die? 
But what I was playing is the Ridden, the kits for them, how you can approach and team up with your friends with, with different attacks. Like, there was actually synergy there. Like, I was playing as one Ridden that would tie them down, and then my other friend was, like, this big hulking Ridden who was really slow, so he was able to approach them and do a lot of damage. And when you team up like that, it's really fun. So I actually enjoyed the versus mode, although I felt... I felt like the survivors didn't have much of a chance, and the maps were way too small where mm. you could die pretty quickly. Um, mm. But it could be sort of like what you were saying with the strategy, that there's a little bit more there that I had yet to uncover because there were the cards, once again, that played a factor for this mode, and they were all preset. Right. Yeah, dude. Either way, I mean, overall, I felt like um, I really enjoyed what I played. Same. Um, I want to play more, mm-hmm. uh, not just more of, I mean, I want to play more of the beta cause I want to dive into some of the systems more. I think that the key, the key thing overall is just that the guns felt really good. Right. Um, shooting zombies felt fun and, uh, you know, that's, that's essential. Uh, you know, it's funny to say that just because there are shooters where I'm like, well, the shooting doesn't feel very fun, even though I like some of the concepts. So it's like I'm out because mm-hmm. that's like what you do in a game like that. So right. uh, real quick, I guess we'll just touch on this, too, is just that this has like this game has a in-depth attack, not in-depth, but the attachment system is a little interesting. Mm. So you you can find like an assault rifle or something and you can find usually I think it's like something on the barrel, a sight a stock and a clip. I think those yeah. are the four yeah, those categories. Are the, yeah. the only thing that I was trying to figure out is that I think that once you put an attachment on a gun, it is permanent unless you find another attachment to replace mm-hmm. it with. Mm-hmm. Because there was a point where I was like, Ooh, this gun, I want this gun instead. I was like, well, then I'm going to lose all of these. I would like to put this attachment from my old gun on the new gun and i yeah maybe you can do it i couldn't figure it out i couldn't figure it out either if that helps at all i thought the same thing because i found i had an mp5 that has sniper scope on it i love the mp5 it's one of my favorite guns in games and in real life really and i was like oh sweet you know nice but then i pick it up it's got a sniper scope the gun i dropped not much more optimal but it had an acog scope and i'm like all right you know, this is better than a sniper scope. Let's see how I can switch these out. Can I, like, detach this, put it in my inventory? I couldn't figure it out, but it does feel like a bit of a missing feature. That said, I almost want to say it's intentional. If it's not, it's kind of worked in their favor where I feel like the game benefits from it. You kind of develop an attachment to the weapons, and I never really had that with Left 4 Dead. And so I almost think it's a good thing that, you know, when I spend my copper at the store on, like, a legendary magazine that does quick reloads and it has, like, 10 extra bullets in it, that's valuable, especially when you get to the higher difficulties. And right. when you look at it from that perspective and then you find another weapon, it's like, oh, this does, like, 10 more damage, but I'm losing this, this, and that based off the attachments I have. So at its base level, this gun's good, and if I can get to the upgrade station, then maybe I can make it even better. I feel like that level of choice there sort of makes it click where you you, you kind of have to pick your poison at times and that's what makes these games strong so i was in favor of it but at the same time i would appreciate like if i could switch my scopes that was kind of the main one everything else was just pure upgrades 
but like the sniper scopes worked on very particular weapons. The ACOG worked on very particular weapons. And so if I had a reflex sight that I could have put on that MP5, that would have been great, but there was no way I could have unless I found a separate attachment somewhere on the map. Right. Yeah. Overall, though, very promising. And of yeah. course, as you noted on Twitter, uh, you know, this game will be available on Game Pass for Indeed. both uh, console and PC. Mm-hmm. So, but also available on PlayStation, Steam, wherever you choose to play. Yeah. Also, cross play. Yes. Uh, which is awesome. For a game like this, especially uh cross play is is awesome yeah, i didn't i, I want i didn't sh- try that out but i was gonna say i wanted to shout it out because i played on steam primarily because when my buddy was downloading his copy he had steam as well and i recalled our issue with cross play on outriders and i was like well i don't i want to at least try this because i could see myself probably want to make a video about this or at least talk about it in a podcast i want to make sure it works if i'm on at least the same platform as someone Right. So we got into a lobby, and then my buddy, uh, never, he had downloaded on his PS5. And so he jumped in, and it all worked seamlessly right away. It was really easy to set up. There was no, like, what's your username? What's your this, this, that? It was pretty immediate. We got into a lobby. There was no lag or anything like that. Um, so that was a really encouraging sign, too, in my opinion. Right. So, yeah, really good yeah. signs from Back for Blood. Excited to play more. Looking forward to it. Definitely on my list of games I must play this very busy holiday period coming up. We're getting to that. Getting mm, to that time, Dustin. Right. That's right. So prepare yourselves. And with that, um, anything else you've been playing? Or did you really okay, yeah. this? I just brought this up for the video people. The only other thing I'm playing, Maddie, it's a game on iPad. Mm. And it is the classic Roller Coaster Tycoon. Wow, that's why you tweeted dude. about it. Damn. That's why I tweeted about it, dude. This iPad version is very good. Uh, shockingly good okay and i highly recommend it it's called roller coaster tycoon classic i know it's not as good as uh i think it's called open roller open roller coaster tycoon there's like modded versions out that are like really crack it open and like fix a lot (laughs) of issues and stuff but this ipad version so i'm not like the type of guy that plays games on ipad or iphone even very often Every once in a while, I do. But there's something about this. Like, when I'm sitting on my couch playing this, it's like I'm holding this beautiful giant screen mm-hmm. in my hand. And it's like holding... Like, I remember playing Roller Coaster Tycoon on PC when I was in third grade or whatever. Right. And it's like, wow. It's like I'm holding that game now. It's like... No, it's, it's not wild. impressive at all. Like, this... The iPad's capable of, like, PS4 or better graphics now. So it's not a graphical thing. It's just like... Man, this game I loved so much. I have it, and I can play it anywhere. Yeah, dude. And uh, yeah, I'm convinced, Maddie. Roller Coaster Tycoon is one of the greatest games of all time, oh. in my opinion. Oh wow, we've gone from A to Z here. Okay, let's get into it. Why yeah. is this? Well, I, okay. Let me. Distinction. What, what even is this game? I know nothing about it. Is it a roller dude, coaster a park, management park sim? It's a it's a park sim. Okay. Like you, so. The the basic outline of the the game is that you have different scenarios mm-hmm. where you start up, or it's like a park may already be started. So the scenario that I just have up in this in this gameplay right now is that your objective is to have nine hundred guests 
in your park by the end of October, year three, with a park rating of at least 600. And I'm currently in September, year two. I have over 1,000 guests, and my park rating is 957. So I already have this one in the bag. Yeah, you're excellent but at your job. Okay. It's What's cool is that it has, like, so you can custom make roller coasters, or you can use the preset ones. And so... There's a lot of different aspects to manage. You have to have uh, guys that go around and clean up the park, whether it be litter or, or throw up mm-hmm. the, uh, from people riding rides and getting sick. This actually makes sense. Okay. You got to, you know, there's all kinds of other rides you can build, like Ferris wheels or, uh, you know, haunted house type stuff. And But it's this whole, like, management um, park thing. And... It's cool. It's it's so it scratches this weird creative aspect of my brain. Not like wow, I'm very creative. I play roller coaster tycoon. <laughs> Not like that, but it it gives you the same type of satisfaction when you play Minecraft and you're like, I built something and yeah. I built it the way I wanted, and it's like satisfying. And so, like this is the type of game that you play, or like Holly Holly loves this game too. And so like we'll be like, look, I built this and I designed this this sure. way. So guests can funnel through here and I have, you know, look how I have this tunnel here. And it's like, damn, this game, it's so good. Um, And the thing about it, the reason why I'll say it's one of my favorite games of all time is that since whenever I first got the original, which I think was like, I don't know, 2000, 2001. Okay. I probably have played this game. I don't know. Every other year. Like I'll go through a phase where I play it. Hmm. 10 to 15 hours and I'll forget about it for a year, year and a half. Calls your name again. And then I'll pick it up again and then I'll forget about it. Maybe sometimes it's a little longer, maybe three years. Then I'll forget about it. And then it, dude, it always comes back and it's always good. It's a very addicting game. Yeah. Anyway, I've waxed poetic enough about your, your annual or biannual pickup of the game reminds me of KOTOR. The only reason I haven't played KOTOR this year is because I've heard that it's supposed to be getting its re-release at the end of this year. And so I'm like, I'm going to wait for that. I want to get like the trophies achievements and go ham with it. But like, I totally get that. That's exciting that you have something like that. Have you played KOTOR on either iPhone or iPad? Yeah. I saw, I actually own it. I was like, hmm, yeah. that might be kind of fun. But I, I was going to mention that to you as sort of a, like, yeah, I totally get what you mean about having this game for me. It was on the Xbox, like this big hulking console. You throw the disc in, and then it's like an app on your phone. It's crazy. And it works right. really well. They're, the, the ports are excellent. Aspire did them. Who's working Aspire, on the Aspire, they did that, and they did. There's a Civilization Six iPad version that I downloaded, but I have not tried yet. Yeah. It's like one of those ones you, it's free to try, but then you got to pay 10 bucks for the game, which I'm like, 10 bucks for a Civ is not Not bad if you horrible. like it. Right. My week was less exciting. Um, the reason I say that is because I spent it with the Ascent. I have now finished the Ascent. And, um, yeah, Dustin, I was right. I was, I was totally right. I was just stinky. Not was, bad. Yeah. I, I feel like stinky is the right audience word. almost got me. I started to really for the first time in years when I put out when I put out my reviews, I have a powerful conviction. I make sure after Mr. Near Perfect, I make sure that when I have my review out, I'm like, yeah, I know this is how I feel. And I think it's a valuable lesson I learned. And the audience got my legs a little weak when I was talking about the ascent. People were very strongly disagreeing with me. There were people who also did agree with me, but there was a powerful enough disagreement that sometimes you look in the mirror and go, 
did you do enough? Mm. Right? And granted, mm. I labeled it first impressions. I made it very clear. These are my first impressions. Some people are like, how are you so hard on them? 12 people made this game. I'm like, oh, some of these may be valid points. I'm going to push through. So I do it, Dustin. I do most of the side content. I finish the story. Whoa. No. No, I was right. Because people, one thing I failed to bring up in my, in my, in my, not, I almost said review, in my first impressions was uh, one of my major complaints was the back and forth of the game. You know, you're going from point A to point B and there's, you're running into overleveled zones. It's very unbalanced, at least in the solo experience. And I was like, quests take way too long because of that. It, it feels very stretched out and it gets frustrating because of those overlevel zones. It just feels really messy. People were like, well, you didn't get the taxi system. You didn't use the train system, even though I mentioned the train system in the video. I was like, okay, this taxi system sounds like a big miss for me. So I unlock it. And I'm like, wow, thank God that I didn't unlock it before I had actually made this first impressions video because I would have gone harder on it. Because <laughs> you unlock the, fa the, uh, the, the fast travel taxi system and it, it hardly resolves anything because then as you get deeper into the game, there's sectors like there's the high streets there's cluster 13 there's the deep stink there's all these different sectors in the ascent and each sector has their own cities and places you can visit but there's no i've checked the trains i checked the taxi there's no quick way to get to those sectors so mm. even if you like taxi around and stuff some quests will take you up or i'm sorry down to the deep stink and then up to the high street and then back down to cluster 13. So you're still taxiing within those districts, but then you've got to walk a mile to get down to that or up to that next level. There's much more I could really go on about. Um, I have tons of gameplay recorded now of just really unbalanced encounters, which a lot of people were like, oh, you just want an RPG. I'm like, no, I definitely didn't. If anyone ever looks at the games I play, RPGs are my most enjoyed genre, but I don't play them super, super frequently. Right. Um, because they're they're investments. That's how, I think that's how you should play them, not consistently. And so a lot of people were like, oh, you're looking for an RPG. You're not playing it right. It's, dude, I'm in my build 24-7. And it's one of the things I kind of liked about the game. For certain encounters, you got to tweak, adjust. But some of them, man, were so fucking poorly balanced. Like, level-wise, you'd be running into enemies double your level in an area where the quest zone was supposed to be your level. It just continuously didn't make sense. Now, halfway through my playthrough, Dustin, they drop a little update. They add difficulty options, which the game oh. previously did not have. And so I see that, and I go, all right, this could actually alleviate some of the pressure. Because this whole time, in my head, I'm looking for a reason to make a follow-up video that doesn't involve effectively putting salt in the wound because i do understand this it is an indie team i don't need to double dip on them right i don't i don't want sure. to do that i have no interest in doing that they did good work for the type of team that they are i just think there is room for improvement so this difficulty setting easy normal hard i'm on normal now once the whole patch has been implemented it also adjusted some ui not any of the bugs that really the game was having trouble with via crashes, quests, all that stuff. It's a whole other situation. So I put it on easy, Dustin, right? I actually humble myself a little bit. I'm not a guy who plays on easy. I like to make my games as hard, as challenging as possible. But when you're imbalanced, maybe easy would be good for me. 
same same issues, man. I do a mm. little bit more damage to these enemies, but via these unbalanced encounters where they just fucking swarm you, and even with my character having maxed out evasion and modules dedicated to evasion and being as tanky as possible, didn't matter. I was still just, at times, there was no hope, um, no matter what I did. And I think it's because it's balanced for co-op. To wrap this up, the reason I say that is because there is this one augmentation that allows you to spawn a little bot friend. And what happens is now the enemies will split off. Some will attack your bot. Some will attack you. And when that happened, the game started to feel a little more enjoyable in those very overwhelming encounters. I was like, okay, so this clearly was an experience designed for co-op. Does that mean it's okay that the solo play sucked? No. But at least it made it a little more understandable. And once the story wrapped up, it's one of the most abrupt endings. I don't think it capitalized on its amazing universe nearly enough. So ultimately, I walked away from The Descent. It's probably my most disappointing game of the year. I was really... I was just... Look, I, I know some people are going to think I'm being harsh. Like, once again, no, indie team, 12-man team, it's Game Pass. I don't care. I, I'm sorry. It's just, it doesn't mean that they're exempt of criticism and that we can't talk about things that can improve with the game. At the end of the day, this game really under-delivered for me. Um, it's it's a lesson. Again, you look at Biomutant, you look at the Ascent now. These tiny teams try to do 80 million things instead of narrowing their focus and doing a couple of things right and making a stronger game for it. So... I hope other developers kind of look at, you know, the Metacritic reception for The Ascent and Biomutant and realize, like, hey, yeah, you can punch above your weight and capture a crowd that will defend you endlessly because you've done some things, or a lot of things, rather, in your game. But I think it's so much more beneficial to product if people do what Death Store did, which is like, hey, we're going to just do art, we're going to do music, and we're going to do concise controls and sort of let the enemy pattern speak for themselves and let that be it. Like, I think that form right. of design in my eyes, has been so much more appreciated after all those games. But anyway, I've rambled right. on enough about these. Well, uh, so I just wanted to say real quick about the idea of, like, oh, it's, Maddie, you're being too harsh. It's a 12-man team. It's like, so does that mean if one guy makes a game that is ba- practically unplayable, that we'd be like, oh, it's just one guy making yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like, that. I'm sorry. Uh, we review products i mean i don't review games but we i am critical of them on podcasts and stuff based on what it is and what it's trying to do right like obviously if if a game if you play a racing game and you're like this sucks the cars don't fly it's like (laughs) no that's not that's not what i'm getting at it's like maddie you took from the perspective of like okay this game is trying to have it's like a, a twin it's kind of a twin stick shooter type with rpg it's like a shooter diablo yeah, in a way the loot's with some light too. gear it mechanics just, it never quite decides what it wants to be sorry go on right yeah so but you're like okay i i realize what this game is going for does it achieve those goals mm-hmm. um and that's regardless of how many people worked on it and it doesn't undermine the fact that it's like yes it's a gorgeous game with a great world, a uh, world that is very intriguing or whatever, that doesn't Absolutely. undermine any Absolutely. of those things. That's So, you know, at, when it's all said and done, though, it's about the game, uh, o- the overall experience. And they're which... asking for, for money, man. It's like, 
I got to yeah. make sure you're, I'm honest with the audience. And look, you know, I hope when we drop our game, people are just as critical. You know, of course, there's a level of harshness that needs to be considered, which is why you hear a level of consideration in everything I'm saying about this game and more appreciation for things that maybe if a AAA developer did this, I wouldn't have been. Like, I'm talking the visuals, the art design, the density of the universe. I love the aim high mechanic. There is a lot in this game that is fucking awesome. So there's there's no holding back on that either. But, you know, I, I just say it as someone who hopes to release a game that, you know what? You need that honest feedback, right? I'm not being a dick. I'm not saying they should stop. I hope they make another game. I It seems like they're going to, based off the ending of The Ascent, I imagine they will make a sequel. Um, and I hope they do because there are a lot of good ideas here that I think if they get fine-tuned, like more so the loot, you know, there's there's a handful of weapons, a handful of armor, but not the overwhelming Diablo style where, where it's like a kind of... V- your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Loot vomit and each weapon's sort of doing its own thing. There's a set of weapons that just do very specific things. But, you know, that's, that's the nature of being an indie team. And it's like that's where the split focus kind of hurts them. Because maybe if they went all in on that and maybe trimmed off a mechanic you could have found that like maybe shaved five hours off the game. You may have found yourself with a much stronger product. Um, right. So yeah, the ascent good game pass game probably, but for me, definitely not a buy. So that's all I've really been playing this week. All right. Cool. Yeah. News time. Yeah. Let's, let's go. All right, cool. So our first bit of news goes to dead space remake two bits here. First and foremost is that Dead Space Remake is being directed by former Assassin's Creed director. And this is the director who did the likes of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Black Flag, Origins, and Unity. Goes by the name of Eric Baptizat. I think more importantly, though, is a recent interview involving Dead Space Remake on how it's a complete rebuild of the original game. But they have now said that they will be cutting elements that don't work. So this comes oh. from the art director, Mike Yazijian, who worked on the art for Dead Space 2, my personal favorite of the trilogy. And here's exactly, once I find it, because for some reason <laughs> it reset. Um, here we are. Here's exactly what he said. They will, quote, do away with some things that don't work. And make sure the game stays relevant to modern audiences. The main source of inspiration, however, is the original vision for Dead Space. We make sure that we're following the story, the art, direction, everything out of respect for the original game. End quote. I think those two in combination are just important to mention. I know we've talked about Dead Space a lot here on this show. Of course, you know, I'm a little biased. I I love Dead Space. But... What do you take away from, I guess, less the Assassin's Creed director, we can make assumptions on that, but them saying, we're going to cut out 
certain things. How do you feel about that? Because I don't think you've played much of the originals, but from the, the point of view of like, oh boy, they're removing stuff. What do you think? Um, I don't know. I... It's hard when you, when it, you have like these um, iconic games that may have dated elements in them that, you know, EA is looking at this probably as an opportunity to reboot this franchise. And so they need to put their best foot forward. And so I can understand them thinking like, yeah, we want this game to be as good as possible. It is a remake, Mm -hmm. not a remaster. And so... I can understand them wanting to improve on the original in ways that they can. Right. The question though comes in is at what point, uh, you know, do they get maybe chop too much stuff and you start to chop stuff that fans like, you know, do we trust EA to, to do that? But I don't know. It's, it's hard to say with Mm -hmm. just the speculation, but overall, I understand it. And honestly, I think I may even agree with them. For example, real quick. Sure. I appreciate the Blue Point made a very faithful remake of Demon Souls. Uh, I was joking on my stream, though, when I was doing the dragon boss at the end of World 2. Right. I was like, they, I would have been okay if they changed this. <laughs> I, uh, I would not have been mad. And maybe the most hardcore of hardcore Demon Souls fans would have been. But I'm like, this fight sucks. It's annoying. Mm-hmm. And I would have been okay if they changed this. Right. But they were faithful about it uh, to the end, which is cool. Because that's that's kind of their mantra, right? Is to make very faithful remakes. But I don't think EA has that approach. They want this to be uh, the very best it can be in order to revitalize the franchise. Yeah. Yeah, for me, as you know, I, I just played this game a little bit over a month and a half ago now for our project, and you know when I when I finished it, one of my first thoughts was I don't know how much they really need to change with this game because a lot of what it did is what games are doing now. Dead Space One, I I encourage people even if you're interested in the remake, it's only about an eight to ten hour game. If you got the time, please do go back try this game out. It's on Game Pass. The reason I say that is because I want people to see firsthand how many elements they introduced that are now in these modern titles. This was a 2008 game. So I'm talking stuff like the the camera is never off of Isaac. Every single cutscene is happening in-game. There's no break away from the gameplay, no transitions. It's all immersive. The HUD is is next level. It still is to this day. There's so much there that was so forward-thinking that over a decade later, it still is fine. Now, could there be quality of life enhancements in the terms of this? I think Dead Space 2 did a good job of improving the speed at which Isaac walked when he aimed down sights. He wasn't as slow, but he wasn't too quick. Dead Space 3, way too action-y. So I just look at stuff like maybe in Dead Space 1, there's this section where you get in an asteroid cannon and you've got to shoot down all these rocks coming to the station. If they were to trim something like that out, I don't think it was so horrendously bad. It's like, get rid of it. Right. But if they were to say, 
instead of you sitting there and manually spending a couple of minutes shooting down the asteroids coming your way and went like, hey, you just press a button and the cannon's automatically shooting the asteroids like it is eventually doing after you complete that segment, to me, that would be fine, right? That would be an element that gets cut out. I think they probably put it there to be like, let's put some action in. That's the only, out of this whole eight-hour thing, only element in that game I look at and go, yeah, you could probably cut that. And that's what I said Right when this was announced, I was a little worried because I have a feeling they're going to make more substantial changes. And just part of my skepticism, I just I don't trust the writers at Motive. I don't want to be disrespectful, but um, I feel the changes that they're going to make may not jive with fans like myself who really love the original. Not because we don't want change, but because it's so good that if you were to really just remake that original title... And add some voice acting, you'd probably be good. In fact, I think it would be excellent. But that's just my standpoint. Mm. It'll be yeah. Really I think it gets it a little. It gets a little different when you talk about uh, story changes and like adding stuff. Like they're gonna have to if they make Isaac voiced because he doesn't talk the whole first game at all. Right. Like, what if they did so? They could do like flashback sequences of him and uh the girl that he's looking for or something like that like imagine yeah. full cut scenes i don't know you get in interesting territory there where it's like you could flesh things out a little bit but mm-hmm. to me that first dead space what i liked about what i played is that the uh the mystique around exactly. the entire direct. scenario it's very it's very Bioshock in design, which is a strength and a weakness. Back then, it was a strength and thing. Nowadays, it's a weakness where the audio tapes and text logs really built your universe. Like, if I mentioned to a general Dead Space player, if they just played the first one and walked away, I said, hey, what do you know about the Church of Unitology? They'd be like, who? They're barely a focus because it's all mm. stuff that you just read about as you learn the stories of all these different crewmates on the Ishimura and sort of what transpired. So I'm totally for them making the story and lore a little bit more forward-facing. And I think you have a good idea there with, like, getting into Isaac and Nicole's relationship and sort of their history together. Um, I think that could strengthen the game. But like you said, you put it so well, it's that mystique, that mystery, that uncovering as you sort of explore the ship. And all you hear is Isaac's breathing kind of picking up that I think really builds what is a once-in-a-generation kind of title. It really is special. So, of course, you know, I'm sure people had this same level of skepticism with the likes of Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'd say that came out quite well. I have not played Intermission, so I don't know if it gets worse or better. But, you know, I'm I'm hopeful they'll get it right. But I, I do have some skepticism surrounding some of the choices they're going to have to make. Because I don't think they're easy ones is more so why I feel this way. And I don't think there's right. a clear avenue like, oh, like that asteroid section is that's a clear kind of, yeah, we can cut this. Right. Right. But other ones like Isaac voice, Isaac, not voice. If we voice them, what do we add in there that makes sense? Right. How do we build him as a character? That's all going to be really interesting to see how it unfolds. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to think of we've had so many good remakes recently. That's true. That it's it's easy to forget about like uh I'm trying to think of some bad remakes. Mm. Uh, well, there's... Okay. 
Wow, totally Thir- off topic. Wasn't here. thirteen a bad remake? Yes, yeah. but that was I think more from a technical perspective. Mm. Oh, you're talking um, like a remake that redoes the game and it kind of comes out bad, right? Mm. I think of like bad movie remakes. I mean, those are oh, like yeah. all the time. It's like why even mm-hmm. do remakes like that? But um, okay, wait. Here's a question. Maybe you know the answer. Maybe not. A lot of people do not like Metal Gear Solid The Twin Snakes remake for huh. GameCube. Did you play this? I did not, no. I've always been curious why people don't like it. So go ahead, people. Let me know in the comments. Yeah, because please. I know that it broke some stuff with the original game because I think it allowed you to view first-person uh, mode and it like screwed some stuff up. I don't know. But I've always been curious about it. One other thing I want to add on when it comes to Dead Space is there is a report from Jeff Grubb that says that, and as I previously reported, I as in Jeff Grubb, by the way, I'm reading his report verbatim, that represents developer EA Motive's desire to remake the original game while also rebooting the franchise as a whole, and fans should get a chance to experience the results of those efforts when Dead Space launches in fall of 2022, according to sources familiar with development. This means the game is a little bit more than a year away. Of course, in the tumultuous games industry, target dates slip frequently, and it's important to note that EA has not yet publicly stated or confirmed release timing for Dead Space. I reached out to EA for comment and a spokesperson for the publisher provided the following statement. We haven't shared a release date for the game. We don't comment based on any current rumor and speculation, but we're glad people are excited for the game. Internally, EA is expecting to launch Dead Space during its fiscal 2023, so we won't see that it's in its next financial guidance until early next year, but by then we will likely have heard more from the publisher about the game. The company does have some intentions to reveal more of Dead Space before the end of 2021, you could take the form that could take the form of a trailer dropping in the company's YouTube page, or maybe it's another candidate to show up at the Game Awards in December. At that time, it's possible that EA could give a release date, although that may go against current trends. Many publishers are keeping final release dates quiet until much later in the development cycle, or I'm sorry, in the marketing cycle, due to pandemic making a tougher business even more uncertain. So, 2022 fall. Seems like uh, a possibility for Dead Space remake. How do you feel about that? Adding that to the to the calendar for me, Dustin. Mm. Your boy might be eating very good if we get Starfield and Dead Space remake in the fall. On top of shit, we don't know what else is gonna be there. Right. I'm, uh, uh, I'm very excited about no this. Tour? Yeah. Right. The, the, I've mm. yeah I've heard some interesting stuff. So you know it's possible. I think it's gonna be early 2023 based off what I've heard. But mm. we'll, we'll we'll see in due time when. It comes to KOTOR, but man, if that happens in the fall too, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking dude. That's the thing. <laughs> I probably won't be here. I'll explode. 2022 is gonna be stacked. Yeah, you're uh, right. it's gonna be oh KOTOR. honestly stressful uh, with how many games. But yeah, you know, you stress. We can't, we can't complain. You stress, baby. Yeah, yeah. So man. that'd be cool. I could see it coming out then for sure. Um, man, it feels like right now. I don't know. I feel like there's so many things. On, like, we know so many games for next year. There's also games we don't know. I know. Right. Like, right, not yeah. just don't know, but we don't know the time frame. Like, we don't know about God of War right now. We don't know. Is is Fable supposed to come out next year? Fable is supposedly 2023. Dang. Okay. So what else is Xbox doing other than Starfield? Like, Red as far fall. as big stuff. Redfall. 
would probably be the other Redfall. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I knew and I was forgetting something. Before Starfield, apparently, which is kind of kind of surprising. Mm. Um, I feel like they got to have more up their sleeve. Probably like a third party deal somewhere, right? Because those are two those are two big exclusives, and I guess it wouldn't be too far fetched given that this year they're doing three, and one of them's mm-hmm. Age of Empires four, which is big but not like xbox ecosystem type big right. so it's possible we'll see mm-hmm. but i'm curious to see how they do round out their calendar you're right though it's it's you know we know so much good stuff right like i already look at the beginning of the year with the new pokemon elden ring then you look at the end of the year and it's like we're hearing dead space remake we're thinking starfield will be out by then it's like holy shit those are like Dude. those are bookends and we don't know of course the holiday always fills up and then we don't know what else is going to be there throughout the rest of the year. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, if you got shit on your backlog, do it now. Do it now. Or forever now be busy time. next year. Because next year, there's going to be a new release every fucking month. And it's going to make our heads spin. It's going to be a good time to review. Because I've this year has been tough to review stuff. But like next year, oh man. It's going to yeah, be dude. good. It's going to be really also, good. Also, man... Breath of the Wild. I forgot sequel. about that. Yeah. Next year, too, dude. Apparently, oh, that's man. like fall next year with a new Switch, is what people are saying. We'll see about that. That's a little more rumor oh. based, but. I forgot about the Pokemon Diamond and Pearl remake. That's oh, hell yeah. I can't wait for that. I'm, dude, I'm excited. I know some people are down on the art style. I'm like, I like, I, like I'm fine. I'm, I think it'll be fun. I love Diamond and Pearl, so I'm excited to play that. I, I don't love Diamond and Pearl as much, but I like the art style because it kind of reminds me of a more modern... Have you played, like, Emerald, Sapphire, Ruby? You know how they're uh, sort of, like, simple sprites? The art right. style? Yeah. Yeah, this kind of reminds me of a more modern version of that. It's very simplistic. And right. um, I'm usually not a fan of simplistic art styles. I, I usually like what the ascent does like fucking rich color popping everywhere um but but what i saw for that game i i really liked yeah. so it's going to be a good time to be a pokemon fan as well for sure all right well it also it may be a good time to be a marvel fan dustin as uh 2k is now reporting that mm-hmm. uh there is a a big game coming out one so big that it's going to impact their fiscal 2022 earnings and they expect it to be a major financial contributor they're saying it'll be out before march 2022 dustin what do you think this 2k game is that is a quote exciting new franchise end quote like i said emphasis on this they expect it to be a major financial contributor and when you look at the potential march 2022 release window you got to think it's got to be something well-known that doesn't need much marketing. Maddie, I cheated a little bit because I searched 2K Marvel, and <laughs> there is a leaked yes, there is. of what the game could be. And if it's true, I'm not, you know, I'm not a big on Marvel anymore, but mm-hmm. a Marvel XCOM-style game from Firaxis. I think this will pull that would be something. I think this will pull you from the depths. I think you'll. I think you'll play this. Mm. I feel. Confident. I love Fraxis, so yeah. There's a high, high possibility that I will play it. Yeah, it's funny because you mentioned 2K Marvel, and when I was reading this on Defining Duke, I was preparing in my head as sort of like you know what could be some educated guesses I can make, 
and the first thing I spit out is, oh, you know, this what property needs less marketing than Marvel? And it just sort of sells itself to people. So I spit it out, and then I realized that there was that rumor. So I, I just thought that was funny that both our heads went to the same place naturally. Of like, yeah, this is something popular enough that would sell itself within five months. Um, right. I'm really excited about the prospect of a Marvel XCOM game. If they sort of have like shield agents that sort of serve as the XCOM soldiers, where there's that perma death or, or probably in a Marvel game perma rest, you know, they're they're just injured yeah. permanently. They're not dead though. Whatever they, whatever the way they justify, it, if they can do that on top of like superheroes being in your squad almost as like commanders, Ooh. this game could be mm. awesome, man. Especially with a team like Firaxis, who just both times with XCOM Enemy Unknown and XCOM Two, I haven't played War of the Chosen, but Cognito was raving about this one, literally like pleading me to go and play it as soon as possible. So much so mm. that I really do want to make sure I get to it. Um, but man, I was, I was looking at this and thinking, this is a, this is a match made in heaven. It's that type yeah. of, it's kind of like the Mario, uh, Rabbids XCOM style game where it's like, yes, this is the crossover. I had no idea I wanted, but I'm happy it's here. Right. Right. It'll be, you know, I love the original, well, not the original, uh, when they brought back XCOM, uh, I really liked that. And then I didn't like XCOM 2 as much, which part of that was because I didn't like the time limit aspect of it, which there's a lot of arguments on a game design perspective on whether or not uh, the the time limits make the game better or worse. But I think it just comes down to an an opinion. I'd like to get another shot at some point, Mm -hmm. but uh, it'll be cool. Yeah, the, the way they'll incorporate the heroes will be interesting. It's almost like a you could have like a team leader situation where it's like okay the team leader is you can pick captain america you can pick iron man as your team leader going right. in with uh you know a uh, shield that's I was, I was like who are these guys uh shield <laughs> guys or whatever um to go in and stuff so that would be that'd be very interesting yeah. um for axis i'm trying to think what Obviously, the most recent thing I think that they put out was Civ Six and its DLCs, but I don't know really what else they've done. Have they done anything other than that recently? So uh, they are about due Chimera for their next squad, game. I'd say. Right? Was that dude? I totally forgot that game even came Eric out. Eric really liked that game. It was like ten bucks. Um, right. I, you know, it's interesting. Is is they're doing such a short marketing period? It seems, which makes sense because it's Marvel, but it's a strategy game. Don't you need more time to talk about it? And they're saying it's going to be announced next month or within the next month. So we're getting it very soon. And I'm wondering, when do you think this game's coming out? Do you think it's early next year? Or do you think it's fall this year? And I know for some listeners out there, they may be like, well, obviously next year there isn't time. But with Marvel, I just feel like there's always the chance where you have to consider like maybe they drop this in november or december seems a little cutting it a little close yeah i marvel i feel like they're marvel would would want to do the long lead up of marketing right but again with marvel it's like holiday push though i mean yeah yeah your point's totally fair and i think i agree with that just 
I wonder, right? I can't help but wonder. Especially because there's that, oh my god, new Marvel thing, and I need it now. That sort mm-hmm. of thing. Do you think this is well, going to be a full... Sorry, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, I, the other strategies, instead of like doing paying for marketing for six to eight months, spend all of that money in two or three months, mm-hmm. and then you kind of have a more shotgun blast approach, yeah. which would maybe be... I don't know. For Marvel, could be more effective. Anyway, what were you going to say? Uh, I was going to ask you, do you expect this to be a full game? Because the reason... I mean, the timeline adds up where it should be a full game. But the reason I ask that is if it's a quicker marketing period, maybe it's because it's like a $20, $30 title. Because they just did Chimera Squad as their next thing after XCOM 2, and that was like a $10 little title. Do you think this is going to be a full-fledged game? Hmm... I could see them wanting to make it a smaller version, a smaller game, just for so. Mainly in the fact that XCOM is definitely a more hardcore game as far as like its difficulty and stuff. So I could see them trying to make it more approachable. Right. And, you know, recently, like they have, we mentioned earlier, Civilization VI is on mobile. And even the first. Again, the first XCOM, uh, XCOM Enemy Unknown, I believe, is the actual... Yeah, XCOM Enemy Unknown. That came to iPhone also. So maybe there, this is like a smaller title, $10, $20, and they would also release it on phones and tablets as mm-hmm. well, just to hit that really broad approach. I could see the hardcore fans being disappointed in something like that. But again, with Marvel, I could see them wanting to cast a really wide net. Yeah, I agree. I I hope deep down. I I hope it's a full game. I feel like the timing makes sense. You know, it was like 2016 or 17. We got XCOM 2, War of the Chosen, I think. I want to say, yeah, 2016 was XCOM 2. And then later that year, they did War of the Chosen. Then they did Chimera Squad. I feel like if they've been spending three or four years on this game, it makes sense that it should be a full game. So that's what I'm hoping for. I just want to. I want to be cautiously optimistic here because I could get easily ramped up and hyped for this. But we'll see. We're going to know within this month and we'll talk about it here. So with that, let's move on to our next bit of news. This one has to do with Ghost of Tsushima. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they are adding a new mode to the multiplayer for this game. Uh, Surprisingly good multiplayer. It's called Rivals Mode and Game Informer describes it as pitting two teams of two against one another in the fight against hordes of enemies. The objective is to defeat all the enemies and collect Magatama. Magatama can be used to hurt the other team, which provides a leg up on the competition for which team can perform best. So, it says players will be able to use the material known as Magatama to use shades to block the enemy team from being able to purchase anything on their side. It can also be used for curses that can inhibit the other team, like health drain effect and exploding bodies. When enough Magatama is spent, teams can unlock the final stand waves, the last instance that will determine which team wins. In addition to the new Rivals mode, Sucker Punch is also releasing the Gear Mastery System, a new expansion on the current progression system in Legends, and the players can earn. Players who have been able to earn 
level 110 gear, will now be able to bind it to a class and activate mastery challenges, says senior game designer Darren Bridges in a new PlayStation blog post. This will allow a piece of gear's key level to be upgraded to 120 and eventually unlock a second perk slot. As you activate mastery challenges, you can also unlock a new ability and new techniques for each class. Dustin, I am consistently impressed that they continue to add to this Ghost of Tsushima's Legends mode just over and over and over. And especially yeah. just how a lot of it's been free. Oh, yeah. Well, even all like all of this, I don't... what. So part of this story is that they're releasing it standalone, so you can buy it for $20 if you don't own the core game uh is is there anything that you can buy like is there any microtransactions no in this at all? no they've really done a good job with it yeah that's crazy i know right? um but yeah they keep adding to this it's so cool i i've been really wanting to play it again but i'm waiting until the director's cut comes out because it's like it's been so long since i've played ghost of shima i'm gonna play like an idiot at Mm -hmm. first so i'd rather like play through the dlc and then play some of the the legends mode dude i bet you it's so good on ps5 at 60 fps it's Mm -hmm. probably so nice Mm -hmm. so yeah this is cool and it's cool to see them continue to support it it was already free they're just continually giving people more stuff this uh let's see i don't know i'm trying to remember if you mentioned this but they said there's a new piece of content each week from September 10th through October 1st. Oh, cool. No, I didn't pick An up additional on Additional Rivals map, new Survivals map inspired by Iki Island. And uh, let's see, Trials of Leo and a new harder difficulty version of last year's raid that offers challenges in bite-sized chunks. Offers a new set of online leaderboards. Wow. But uh, I think it's smart, too, that they're doing PvP. Their combat... I don't think would work to do direct PVP. Like, I just don't know. Mm-hmm. It's not really designed to work that way. So to do it in a way that it's almost like PVE VE, like PVP VE almost in a way that the fact yeah. that it's like you're sending stuff to each other to kind of like slow each other down and stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it's, um, you know, shout out to, Sucker Punch for this and Sony for just continually yeah supporting this and <laughs> they have every right to to charge for this stuff they but do they're yeah. not yeah. so you know we were I'm still critical of the way that they're doing the upgrade for the director's cut I agree again yeah. no problem with the thirty dollar charge for DLC the ten dollar PS4 to PS5 upgrade is the problem mm-hmm. the thing that I don't like mm-hmm. so that's different but you know, we'll give them credit where credit's due and criticize them where that's also due. Yeah, so. I am entirely with you. I don't have many thoughts on it. I loved Ghost of Tsushima, top three game of the year for me. I'm more excited for the Iki Island expansion and diving back into that this month rather than the uh, the Legends expansion, although it's impressive that they continue to do so. And it was one of the better surprises of last year, especially when everyone was so gung-ho on the single player stuff and they're like hey we got this multiplayer thing and when they dropped it it was actually pretty good so i'm really looking forward to more ghost of tsushima this year as i imagine many are yeah all right cool last bit of news real quick one just like this 
last bit here we did. Uh, new South Park game is reportedly on the way alongside many more spin-off movies, but it seems like there's a new South Park game in development. And this is exciting given Stick of Truth, given Fractured Butthole, that we have a new South Park game heading our way. Have you played any of these before, by the way? I've played some of Stick of Truth and none of Fractured Butthole. Mm. But I feel like I should. I always feel like I really want to watch, like, all the South Park I've seen, I love. Like, I love, I think it's so funny. I've been meaning to watch the the Pandemic one that they, they released <laughs> last year. Uh, but I always forget. And I don't know, maybe I should just dive into one of these games at some point. Yeah, I was going to say, because as of right now, it's not known who is developing it. Um, but beyond that, man, I mean, the both of them are great. I, I know Ubisoft had a pretty tough act to follow because Stick of Truth was this very surprising RPG. I remember Stick of Truth was also passed around a lot before it made its way to Obsidian. Obsidian turned it into an excellent turn-based RPG that was hilarious. And then Fractured Butthole, I almost thought was funnier and way more out there. I will just... uh I'll just mention Subway Boss Fight, and for those who have played the game, they'll uh, they'll know what I'm talking about. There's one fucking move that someone does where I'm like, holy shit, they did that? So anyway, um, you know, th- this is one of those games that I think we need in the industry, because it, it just, it really is the only one that can get away with pushing some boundaries and doing some wild shit without really catching a lot of flack for it, because it's like, oh, it's South Park, you know? So right. I always think it's an enjoyable romp. I'm happy they're continuing to do them, because they do them well. Right, that's the other thing is that it's not just like a cash in. They do a really good job with these games. Once again, even Ubisoft, where they altered the combat, where it was kind of more grid turn based and actiony, it was still quite good. But I'm really looking forward to this one. I'm sure we'll have more details shortly. Anything you want to add on? Yeah, no. Other than, um, you know, it's unfortunate Obsidian will no longer be available to work on it since they did such a good job. They did both of them, right? Um, Obsidian did the first one for first one. Yeah. And then Ubisoft did uh fractured. Bundle. Oh, right, right, right. So yeah, I I'm curious, man, I'm wondering at some point, I mean, like you said, it's a, like South park continues to get away with <laughs> how they, they operate. Like I could see, I don't know. Ubisoft, very progressive company. You got to wonder if they're the ones that are doing it. If there's people that would be like, yeah, we don't, this is too offensive. Like there's, there's stuff in this. We don't condone or anything like, Mm -hmm. I don't know though. So yeah, either way, it's cool to see, dude, South Park's been around. Like when did, what, what year did that show start? Was that like, it's like almost as old as we are. Yeah, I you know, it's funny. I had a love-hate relationship with South Park for a while growing up in middle school cuz I thought the show was hilarious and then they sort of popularized the word ginger. I always remember 8th grade Dustin uh, or 7th grade. You know, little Maddie was just eating lunch by himself. I didn't have many friends growing up. So, I was chilling, eating lunch and the popular kids rolled up. And I felt their fucking wrath, man. So, they really laid it on where hey, I hated South Park for a while. Maddie, 
are you a ginger? I don't. I. I mean, I, I don't. Thought look you were at, like blonde. I know. My girlfriend literally texted me the second you said it, and I wanted to like slap myself in the face because when we first met, she thought I was blonde too, and I'm like, no, I'm fucking Auburn. And she's like, no, you definitely could pass as a blonde. I'm like, no, I'm not blonde. Like when I dyed my hair blonde, I was a blonde, but. I don't look much of a ginger now, especially like I haven't showered yet today, so my hair isn't as shiny. Um, I I've definitely lost my ginger my ginger flair. I'm just a normal dude with kind of auburn hair, and I lost my freckles even even though I go outside. Like I just right. I don't know what happened, man. I okay, feel like I, I feel like I willed it into existence because when I was younger, I didn't want to look like that at all. I'm now I'm, I now I do. I've brought up a video. Okay, I brought up your well, your Dead Space video. You're in the beginning. I'm trying to find like a non-webcam video of you. Yeah, look at. Uh, let's see here. What's Dude, the... no, there, there's no ginger in this. What? You have changed. <laughs> I'm watching this Dead Space video with you in the suit at the beginning. There's yeah, I know. Okay, this is gonna sound gross. I didn't shower in that yet either, though. My hair when my hair is greased up. Because I wanted to look kind of raggedy, like a like a right, like I've gone yeah, through some go shit. To, look I'll at the uh, video. Trying to think, what what's a video I showered? Look, I'm, okay, I brought up your your Bioware finally get some good news video, but it's kind of dark in yeah, the studio. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say look at my Sonic video. It's called the the Golden Age of Bioware has been tainted. That video, I know I was showered up for. I don't know why I know that, but. Check that. I want to know. I don't even know if I look ginger in that because my hair was shorter. When I cut my hair shorter, it definitely looks darker. But if I pass this test, let's. I'm curious where Dustin places me. Will mm-hmm. I fall into the ginger bucket here? Okay. This one definitely a little, little different. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm still saying no, not ginger. Oh man. Maybe it's different in person, Maddie. We've not. Yeah, I was gonna not... say next month I'm gonna get my answer right. I'm gonna show up, and uh, you're gonna let me know. See, one of my very best friends, Brandon, mm-hmm. he is very ginger, like very yeah. much so. In fact, we we refer to him as Brandon, the most glorious ginger, because <laughs> uh, this waitress at a dive bar, was like, oh, you're that mo- you're that glorious ginger we saw the other like glorious. Long story. We were at. We were at this dive bar, and then the next day we were playing frisbee at the park, and we saw our waitress, and she said, "You're the glorious ginger that I served last night." <laughs> and then we've always called him the most glorious ginger. Uh, but I mean, compared to him, you don't—you're not yeah. even in the same league. Yeah, I was gonna say not anymore. Like I'm trying to get a good light here. Nah, it's not really doing it. It's—it's it's more like what Your I would define it true, as. What I, what I would define it as. Oh, I'm bringing a lamp to me. Is that, how does that look? Mm. Audio listeners are like, this sucks. Yeah, how, do, yeah, how does <laughs> but, this look? This is important. This is important. Okay, when you have the light right up to it, I can see some Auburn, right? reddish flare. Auburn? Strawberry Auburn. blonde, maybe? I don't know. Sure. Yeah. It's definitely more brown now. Which uh, Maybe these bullies were just very cruel. Oh, I was like... If you- Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You look at pictures of me when I was younger. I was very orange. But yeah, they were, I mean, they, yeah, they, they bullied the shit out of me, bro. I was like, I, I fucking hated those kids. And what's kind of funny is they they had the balls next year to ask me for YouTube advice. I was like, fuck off. Hell no. Wow. I'm usually not spiteful, but I was like, you guys fucking tortured me. I'm good. <laughs> Let's see. I've searched. I've went to Google and I went to Mr. Manny Plays. I'm in the uh, the Google images. Yeah, <laughs> Googling me? And All right. I'm Googling. Do you ever Google image search yourself just to see like uh, what comes up? Not recently, but I know when you search it up, there's that one screenshot of me, like, with the fucking cross eyes where I'm, like, looking into the <laughs> camera because that was for yeah. my uh, Bloodborne video. That shit was mad yeah. funny. <laughs> Dude. Oh, here's a picture of you and Colin when you were on uh, Fireside Chats. Yeah, see, my hair had some blonde in that, if I remember yeah. correctly, I want to say. Yeah. Very interesting. Now I got to search myself yeah. in Google. I was a hot blonde. I might, I've always considered going back to that. When I dyed my hair and I was like the two-tone, like I had the dark up top and then I had the blonde, like it was, I was mint. Yeah. Let's see. Mine is a lot, not anywhere near as exciting as yours, my Google image search. Uh, it's probably a little time. more professional, I'd imagine. I have a lot of stupid photos of me out there. Yeah. Mine's like people, like pulls up some stuff from, from Twitter mostly, but. Oh, well. <laughs> all right shall we get into the patron questions dustin let's do it maddie let me i'm gonna pull these up as well okay uh let's see podcast questions nice all right let's get it started orange dog is first yes i know when you're at orange dog i'm at orange dog i'm ready all right hello maddie and no fussing dustin my primordial question is as follows do you ever find yourself consciously slowing down in a game making an effort to appreciate it more the descent strongly encourages this encourages this with its level design to the point where i enjoy the long treks to my next objective you ever see he's like you're like i hate this take but we'll answer the question he says Um, the descent and i don't know if he's trolling me because it's like is there a game called the descent is there a ascent and a descent game i i don't know at I'll, this point, I'm I'm confused. I'll look this up in the meantime. But do you have an answer for this? Let's see. Slowing down on a game to make to appreciate it more. Um, I think that if I know the context of how long certain games will take me, that I will milk them a little bit. Like a game like The Last of Us, Last of Us Two, which I don't, you know, whatever. However you think about that game, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not. Well, actually, Last of Us 2 was longer than I expected, and I I ended up being like, okay, it's time for this to be over. So let me think. Like, Uncharted 4 is a game that I was like, I want to enjoy this. I'm going to look around, explore a bit, you know, just because I knew it was going to be – that's like a 12 to 15-hour experience. Mm -hmm. So games like that I will definitely play slowly just to get the full enjoyment out of it. Yeah, Um. So, little note on the descent is this is I I looked up dis, the descent game, and there was a canceled game in 2019, but 
The only Descent video game I can find is a 1995 game. It's an FPS. It's a space game. And so maybe that's what he's talking about. We're going to need a follow-up for that, I think. Anyway, to answer your question, I think for me it's a Persona game because of the daily life system. It's a lot easier to, like, create stopping points for yourself. Take your time. Right? Yeah, they tell you to take your time. Take your time. You know, I had friends who beat Persona 5 Royal in a week, and I'm like, you're disgusting. What? I don't know why or how. Did they shower or eat or go to the bathroom? No, I doubt it. I genuinely doubt it. It's gross. And was it Kobe, that little pervert? No, it was uh it was uh oh what's his name? For some reason Never. I've just started always calling Kopi a pervert just because yeah. I know he's got like anime, anime chicks. girls yeah. and chicks on his yeah, profile. So absolutely. I'm always like he he came to one of my Twitter spaces. I'm like, Kopi, you little you little pervert, how are yeah. you? So yeah. he'll run with he it too. He 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 loves his anime chicks. Sure. Um There's nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. So yeah, that would probably be my pick. Persona just lets you space it out and create points where it's like, okay, I've, I've, I've lived the life for about a week in game. I'm going to stop here. Right. And it's like, okay, it's palace time. I'm going to go through the palace about four hour run. It's like, okay, I'm going to stop here. They're really well built where, where I think it's unintentional, but it's a good way to take it at your own pace. I've right. done other things like in certain open world games, I'll like sometimes walk to my objective instead of taking the car. Cause I just want to be in the world a little bit longer, but I've done that with games I didn't really like, but I just enjoyed their worlds. Like Mafia 3 is one that comes to mind where I wasn't in love with it, but its world space was nice. All right. Next question comes from Brown Ninja 97 Hello, Maddie. Is there something outside of games that you want to review? When will I see your brutally honest opinions on your toaster? You know, actually, I have an answer for this, believe it or not. And it's because I am a connoisseur of it. It would be swagger jacking, so I'm not going to do it ever, but Oreos. I am like, mm. I am big on Oreos. I love Oreos like my whole life. Like, I always try to limited edition, new flavors. Always, man. I'm on top of every single new Oreo. And Greg Miller sort of like pioneered the whole Oreo reviewing thing. So I was like, nah, that's kind of done. And do it. it's his yeah. thing, right? I lost my chance. And he does a good job with them. So, right. you know, at sure. the end of the day, that would probably be the only thing I'd sit here and be like, that's the random-ass thing I would review. But beyond that, I don't know if I have quite the level of passion beyond games to be like, I want to sit down and critique this thing. Like, if I was a film critic, people would <laughs> jump out the window. They'd be like, holy fuck, this guy's bad. He doesn't yeah. know what he's talking about. So, fortunately, I found my place in games. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, sorry, were you going to say something? I was just going to get um, to, to a question we could both answer. I'll just so I've thought about this recently actually is that uh I wish that sometimes I'm like it would be cool I do like tech products like uh, you know phones and tablets and computers and stuff. And so I when I'm researching when to buy stuff, I end up watching all these YouTube videos and it's like a lot of them all say the exact same thing and all do it the exact same way. Mm-hmm. And then when I get set like when i got this ipad um the ipad pro i was like a lot of the youtubers were right but they're missing like the the key thing for me that they don't they didn't emphasize the right way like i feel like i wouldn't want to be a tech youtuber 
uh, just because I think it would get boring pretty quickly reviewing yeah. those products. But I feel like I could do it and I'd have something different to say. Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm like, man, this iPad Pro, like there's things about it. I'm like, no one, no one mentioned this in this way. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it would be use, useful info to people. But anyway. I would love to see a Dustin Tech channel. Whoa. Mm. Apple hit me up. You can start sending me uh, everything, yeah. actually. Just, just That'd send me be everything. great. Right, yeah. because anything left over. That's the thing I always wonder about with tech channels is like Microsoft sent me a new phone, Android sent me a new phone. Those are like their two uploads for the week, and I'm like, do you just switch over to these phones? Do you hand them off? Do you just have a box full of like free phones from companies? I always wonder that. Right, depending on how big the channel is, they don't always get to they keep the review sample. Like oh, they'll yeah. ask for them back. Oh yeah, no, yeah, it's funny. But... I remember Nintendo did that. I asked them for I wanted to do a review of. This was like way back. I think it was Link Between Worlds. And I never, outside of this one instance, seen a company do this. And it's Nintendo, by the way, which I'm not saying I'm entitled to a full copy of the game or anything, but it was kind of funny even back then. And it's even more hilarious now. <laughs> I was asking them to review the game and they were like, we'll send you a copy, but you've got to mail it back. I'm like, are you like, are you guys down that bad right now? Like, is that, is something wrong? Did something happen? Are you out of right. money? Like, you know, once again, I'm not entitled to the free copy of the game. It was after launch two, which is why it made a little less sense um, when they had, had responded to me finally. But I was just like, what? This is so weird. So only time yeah. it's ever happened in my career. But I, I guess it's more common probably in other industries. Right. Next writing comes from Cody Richter. Hey, Green Eggs and Ham. Maddie, I just finished the Cold War campaign until I understand the praise you've given it. I got to ask, though, without spoilers, did you pick the good ending or... The bad ending. I picked the good one. I recently started playing Vampire and I'm really enjoying it so far. I like how the game handles choice and consequence. Do I take the moral high ground at the cost of receiving less XP? Or do I choose to be a murderous vampire and level up quicker and deal with what changes in the game? I haven't played a game in a while that makes it feel like your choices are impactful like that. What are some other games that give you perks or debuffs based on your play style in a similar way? This is why Vampire is one of my top five RPGs of last gen. When we did that Sacred Symbols Plus episode, we sat down to talk about our favorite RPGs. Um, and right. this was one of them for me because Vampire does this expertly. In fact, I would say one of the best examples where you you influence your gameplay so directly with your choices. It's kind of tough to pick beyond that. Do you have any that... That come to mind, Mr. Nino Kuni too, lover. Hmm. Wait, does so does it have that? I'm thinking of the aspect of like I was you just being, doing the right I, thing. I was just prodding you for no reason. <laughs> Fuck you, Maddie. That was, I was just Nino, two, Nino Kuni two is better than Nino Kuni one. Period. Yeah, yeah I I want to play. I, I believe you. I want to play. Someone in the comments right now is mad. You or someone listening is mad. I feel like that's not Don't a hard the comment. I feel like that's not such a bad take, though, from the outside looking in. Because Nino Kuni won. A lot of people forget there were some really terrible boss fights. Like I know we all love Studio Ghibli and their art style, but there were some there was some stuff as a video game in Nino Kuni that that wasn't that great and right. it suffered that same JRP trope of like, yes, this is the end. That was amazing. And then it's like you've got ten more hours, bitch. It's like what? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think your take is so scorching hot. I'm trying to. Th- I feel like I don't know. I always think when I think of games with choice and consequence, I think of Mass Effect, of course. Mm. Uh, yeah. But 
I'm trying to think of a game. I know that there's one that I played where it's like, yeah, you can just punch this dude and then you don't have to do this entire quest. Like either like maybe like Fallout or Skyrim or something that it's like, yeah, you could do this whole roundabout thing in order to do this trade with this guy, or you could just sneak into his house and steal it. I think Wasteland Three might be a really good oh, pick yeah? for this. Yeah, Wasteland Three, legitimately, that is the definition to me uh, of of a spider web when it comes to choices. They account for mm. everything. It's it's intimidating, man, because the amount of writing that has to accompany that, and writing that's enjoyable and sensible, and writing that people may never ever see. I mean, it's it's astounding. It's such a incredible RPG. It really is. And uh, I would say, Cody, if you're enjoying what what Vampire is doing, it's great on an action front, which is why it's so impressive. Because action games have to make concessions and choices. Try Wasteland Three, and and your mind will be blown because no two playthroughs will be the same. Seriously, like we will have different tales. We'll probably experience similar story paths, but the way they resolve themselves. That would also be my pick. That was a masterful RPG. All right. Dustin, we have another question. Surprise, surprise. Here we go. Brandon Stark. Howdy, gents. Have either of y'all tried Splitgate or have an opinion on the game? It looks so fun, but I really don't feel like sitting in queue for 90 minutes after a long day of work or school. Can't wait to play it after they support more players at once. Also, been watching tons of Halo Infinite gameplay, and I gotta say, I'm very excited for that too. Dustin, do you have any opinion on Infinite? 2021 marks the return, uh, return sorry, of arena shooters. Here's my opinion on Infinite. It sucks. It's horrible. <laughs> it, uh, you know, screw off. Halo, yeah, you're you're not the king anymore, mm-hmm. and your beta sucked. Mm-hmm. I didn't play it, <laughs> <laughs> but I really wanted to. Aww. But uh, okay, obviously I'm joking. But um, no, I didn't play it, but it looks great. So that's really all I can say. Splitgate, Maddie, I tried to play Splitgate. Oh, and he's right. I sat in the queue. I was much more patient. I or impatient. I uh, hmm. I waited for like three or four minutes and didn't get in. And I was like, yeah, screw this. Like wow. I'm not waiting in line to play a video game at home. I'm not, I'm not doing that. You know what's I'm sorry. Hilarious is that reminds me of league where sometimes if people like miss queue or they don't accept, you could be in queue for like four minutes waiting and overwatch has it really bad with the way they do role selection is sometimes you'll sit there for eight minutes waiting to get a Ugh. match. Yeah. I don't play overwatch anymore, but that's, I've heard that a lot. So yeah. I, I totally understand why you'd avoid Splitgate for that. That's well, like, I uh, I think it's just a matter of the fact that it's in beta and they they are expanding so they can fit more players mm-hmm. into the game. Um, so it's no no knock against them. I played it on PC a while back and I thought it was it was fine, but it's been so there's so many changes it's been iterated on so much yeah. that I I feel like that experience isn't really worthwhile to talk about just because it's probably so different now. I don't know really much about Splitgate outside of its comparisons to Halo, which to me is interesting because in a year where Halo is coming back, I wonder if Splitgate may fall into the same pitfall that I'm trying to remember the name of the game uh, Lawbreakers fell into, where it's like, oh, we got something decent here, but just at the time it released with what was around people were picking other options i don't know if split uh, split gate will have that but i personally to answer brandon's question did not have any experience with this game in fact 
I didn't even know what it was until I oh. saw like a YouTube title with it in it. So I can't. They were really very talk popular at PAX. Oh, okay. They kept sending me emails that said Splitgate is Halo meets Portal. We we kept making fun huh. of it, not in a mean way. Like when we would get the, they sent a lot of emails, and so me and the rest yeah, of the team was you. like Halo meets Portal, Halo <laughs> meets Portal, and then we saw it. We're like, whoa, this is actually pretty cool. This is neat. <laughs> so they made you eat your um, words. Yeah. All right. Our next write-in is from Return to the Coda. Hello, gentlemen. I hope all is well and first time writing in. Well, thank you. Wow. Love the show and want to thank you all for the hard work and wonderful insight you give. For my question, which I don't believe has been spoken about much here, do you think ZeniMax's online's new MMO is going to be a totally new IP or an existing one? I was thinking about how the next big show or possible info dump would come from QuakeCon. While I don't expect any news on this MMO, it got me thinking about it. I looked around to see if there was any info on it, and the only thing substantial was the head of the team was saying they were developing a new engine for a AAA game after ESO. This being in 2019, meaning prior to the acquisition. Alongside the initial question, do you think it'll stick with the same POV of third and first person or move to isometric? If it uses a setting from the already established franchise underneath the ZeniMax umbrella, which would you want? Thanks for everything, Coda. Well, thank you for the, the, for the writing, Coda. Dustin, I've had just a theory, and there's literally no basis for this. This is me grabbing nothing but air. Okay. I feel like this is a Star Wars MMO, and I don't know why. Mm. I don't know why. Something in my gut, in my balls, tells me they're not going to do some type of just random, random, brand new IP. I feel like they're going to grab an existing one and sort of run with it. Now, the only thing I have to go off of this is really that Bethesda with Machine Games and Lucasfilm are working together on Indiana Jones. And I thought to myself, well, that's unique, but surely it can't stop there. And you mm-hmm. haven't had a new MMO for Star Wars since the Old Republic. Maybe. There's literally nothing supporting this at all. It's, right. It's more a desire than anything. But I think it would be interesting to see now that we have New World coming out next month and it seems more actiony and trying to step away from the MMO tropes. What do you think this will be? Is Are you just going to Im- throw a dart at the board here? You got to imagine it's going to be pretty different from the fantasy world of elder scrolls online this is true yeah so i don't know maddie i mean star wars would be very interesting it it seems like about time for a new star wars mmo for sure mm-hmm. i don't know hmm. i don't I, i'm just trying to think what other options they would have for what under the bethesda microsoft umbrella of ip that would that would fit yeah, right? Uh, a Halo MMO. You're training as a Spartan. Yeah. <laughs> or Gears of War or something. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, God. Um, oh, God. Hmm. Hmm. Unless, I mean... I don't think no, any of their wouldn't... IP are expansive enough outside of Fallout and Elder Scrolls. I guess right. they could do Fallout, right? Because 76 is, they've said before, not an MMO. So, if it's not, then maybe they are... Making a true Fallout MMO? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. That'd be really that disappointing, good. but you know. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm drawing a blank on this. Maybe a new IP. That'd be cool. That'd be kind of interesting. Yeah. We'll see. Um, But outside of that, 
do I think that they'll stick with the same POV of third and first person? I think I was an Elder Scrolls DNA established through Bethesda Game Studios. I wouldn't say that's the preset expectation for for ESO. Because if anyone remembers, like in their pre-launch coverage in 2013, 2014, they really tried to hammer home the stuff that would be similar between your single-player Elder Scrolls game and Elder Scrolls Online. And I think they mostly had the framework there that worked, hence why it's so successful now. Because once they built upon it, people really got drawn into it. Um, where I don't know if that's necessary for whatever they're doing next. Plus, it's probably a little more animation work and camera work, which they can avoid that and focus on other things, then why not? Right. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, Elder Scrolls Online, runaway success that I did not expect. Yeah, they really uh, dug themselves out of a hole with that. When they did Tamriel Unlimited, they kind of had something started there that clicked together. And I think they were smart with... The expansions they picked, you know, doing Morrowind, doing Oblivion, doing Skyrim-based stuff, it's a really easy way to build your base. Which is why, um, I don't know why 76 hasn't left Appalachia and done all different types of locations. That's what brings people right. in, is these new settings. Alright, B. Pearson's up next. Good afternoon, Dustin and Maddie. After spending the past couple of days in an existential crisis about the fact it's Jack and Daxter, not Dexter... I finally come to peace with my mistake. Apologies to Maddie for my transgression. He seemed very upset. Anyways, question of the week. I initially found Maddie in later on Last Stand Media due to Maddie's previous coverage of Bethesda. Bethesda is about to have three potentially massive IPs in Elder Scrolls Fallout and Starfield. Do you all see any big changes coming to their production? Say specializing studios in order to get games out faster to please the new dad Xbox? Or do we just continue to get a new game every 10 years or so? Surely, with the influx of Xbox capital, the studios will be expanding. Dustin, I want to immediately dish this off to you because I have talked about this extensively in a video. I've talked about this in two podcasts now with Defining Duke on my thoughts on, hey, give Fallout to like a new studio, like The Vault. Have Xbox set up a new studio dedicated to Fallout, just like they have one for 343 with Halo and Coalition with Gears. So I've sort of talked on this enough where I'll offer supporting thoughts, but I really want to put this in your hands. What do you think of really Bethesda's situation, but so many other companies are in a similar spot of having these popular IPs that lie dormant for a while? Right. Yeah, I think that, like you said, what would make sense to me is that if they were able to create a system or timeline where, like, we get uh, Starfield, mm-hmm. okay? And then in, let's say, I don't know, three years after Starfield, we have another company make another game in the Starfield engine that improves it, sort of like Fallout New Vegas. Yeah. And then... Three years after that, we would get the next main Bethesda Game Studios game. That would give them six years between releases, which six years, I mean, that's slightly longer than, I don't know, depending depending on the game with development time. Like, sure. when Horizon comes out, it'll be around five years in between the first Horizon and uh, Forbidden West. God of War, let's see, 2018, so... 2018, 2019, 2020. So it'll be, yeah, about five years also. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a way where 
Microsoft is like, let's try to shave down some years because it is very like I feel like, especially with Fallout Four. Yeah, the the amount of time taken did not equal up to the amount of content and and also polish uh, in that game. Not that I think Fallout Four is amazing. I think it's a really great game that I really liked. I got the platinum in it. Same, but. I don't know. Like, that was one of those games where, like, as the years went by, I was like, yeah, that game had some problems. Yeah, it was um, the same exact way. I agree. You know? Yeah, so, I, I just think um, there's room for... I think there's room for each of these series to sort of find some legs. I understand why Starfield they would be more protective of. But what's happening is they're sort of getting the rock star effect where you're getting all these IP that people want more of because they may not be a fan of Elder Scrolls, but they're a fan of Fallout. And... That's why you're seeing them do Elder Scrolls Online 76. I've told people for years, like, that's why they do these online games. Because they were like, well, see, we're doing new Fallout stuff over here. We're not leaving it dormant. But for a lot of people, it still feels dead because it's not the reason they love that series in the first place. I agree with you entirely, though. If they could set up some type of wheelhouse to keep it where, like, look, we should not go a full... Cog said this, so I want to make sure I... I tip my cap to him who said this we should not go a full generation without a brand new fallout game like that should not happen i'm not talking 76 updates like we should not go same thing with elder scrolls i think it's kind of crazy that you know if you want to count eso sure but i'm talking a mainline game the fact that we went a whole generation without it that should not be happening we shouldn't be leaping two generations before we get to the next one and with elder scrolls six timeline you know right like we're, we're we're thinking it might be like 2020 six twenty five and by then who knows what the gaming landscape's gonna look like when we really start talking about it. And so I can't help right. but look at that and go like, dude, we should not be dude, waiting that long. The thing too is that you mentioned them being like on Rockstar timeline, right? But they're not and as, as good. Dude, they don't sell as well. Like okay, this is from Game Rant. I'm looking at their their charts of how many they're be- the best-selling Bethesda games. Skyrim, which I would consider number one, they have Blades and Fallout Shelter above this. I'm like, those aren't those sales; are those are downloads. Grossing. Yeah, that's not right. Anyway, the info they have Skyrim listed at 30 million, which sounds about right. I'm not sure, but we'll say let's ballpark 30 million mm-hmm. since 2011. I think Fallout 4 uh, got 25, if I remember correctly. Right, dude. Grand Theft Auto, which has been out, or not Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption Two, which has been out since 2018, is at 36 million. Yeah. So, way, way significantly less time, and they've already beat Skyrim. They don't have the quite the ca- the cachet that that yeah. Rockstar does when, when it comes to sales specifically. So, mm-hmm. I don't know, there, dude, and I, you know this more than anybody. Bethesda is such an interesting studio. They're yeah. they've had a huge they've had a bad not bad. Well, let's see. Fallout 4 was what year? 2015. 2015. So they've been I don't know, they've been kind of in, I don't want to say a rough spot in the past 5 years, but I think that Fallout 4 is like you're at they're at the top of the mountain and while Fallout 4 was very good it was the beginning of the, yeah. the downward trend, especially the DLC 
not being very good. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't like uh, Shivering Isles or Dragonborn. Yeah, or I, like I think Far Harbor was like one of the best DLC they ever made, but it was like a trade-off. It, it was like a sacrifice, because before that, you had to go through a ton of DLC that was not good and not Bethesda. Like, you know, what Far right. Harbor was was the type of DLC you wanted from Bethesda, like new lands, new quests, all that shit. I'm right. with you entirely. Yeah, they they sort of started to slip by 2015 and from there, yeah, they've just been in a position where um what I don't get is with their protection of the Fallout license all of a sudden, you know, they they won't hand it off to anybody. I'm like, you guys bought this thing. You handed it off immediately after making one of the biggest genre switches. When you look at Fallout 1 and 2, these isometric, slow-paced RPGs, and then you turn into an open-world, first- and third-person shooting hybrid with RPG mechanics. Like, it's... And the karma system. Like, it was such a fucking radical change, and it was successful. And then they hand it off. And I'm like, why are you suddenly so protective of it? Like, at least Fallout, I could see being handed off. Do you think... how, How much of that is ego, do you think, from leadership at Bethesda? I almost feel like – I'll say this. I have a theory that I almost feel like it's Todd Howard's mindset because he always says this with any series that hasn't had a reason why. He's like, you want to give them time to miss it. And I feel like that sort of perverts the minds at Bethesda where they're like, we can sit on this. Because when people right. wait, the anticipation builds, and we've seen with many games that they just sell way better because people are like exploding – getting ready to finally play this thing they've been waiting so long for. And while it may lead to inevitable disappointment for some, the sales charts uh, say otherwise to these companies. So I feel like that mindset sort of sits with Bethesda, where I almost think it's less ego. I don't think they're afraid as much as people think that, oh, Obsidian's going to make a bad Fallout, or a better Fallout game than us. In fact, they may be on the other side of the fence. I think Obsidian's very talented and proven, but they might look at it and go, Let's not hand this license off to someone and get another Fallout 76, right? right. Like, that may be why well, they're protective of it. I could understand being frustrated if, like, you – they made Fallout 3, which was groundbreaking mm-hmm. and so incredibly good and really changed the way I looked at what, like, an open-world shooter could be. Or, like, you know, it was like, wow, they took – they took their open world formula and made it with guns in a way that was really cool in this really unique setting. So I can understand being frustrating that being this trailblazer and then a few years later, (laughs) uh, you, you, you let someone have all your code and the base of the game and give them time to make something new and improve on it. And then everyone's like, yeah, uh, New Vegas is better. It's like, well, no shit. Yeah, they like, gave them everything they to They didn't have on. to design the game from the ground up. <laughs> like, they were able to take all the feedback yeah. about the original and, and make their own thing, which some people would be like, well, it's story-related and how they did that. And mm-hmm. That's fine. Whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll hear that, uh, that feedback. But overall, I'm like, yeah, of course, New Vegas, a lot of people think it's better. Cause yeah. Probably because it is from a gameplay. They had time oh, to dude, do stuff like from that. From a design standpoint, I, I as much as I love 3, I think just from a gameplay design standpoint, I think a New Vegas is way better. It's just it, – it's reputation system. It's amount of choices. I mean, yeah, they were able to account for so much fucking more. Plus, it's DLC is incredible. Like, yeah, they did an excellent job with it. No one expected less of Obsidian. But, yeah, when they handed them the keys to the castle, it's like 
they were there's a, a reason why when I had interviewed it was when I interviewed Chris Avalon we talked a little bit about um we talked about making the game and one of the main questions I asked him and I've asked multiple people from Obsidian was like hey you made this big open world RPG in 18 months was that not difficult and all of them had distinctively said like no we didn't really feel like we we left anything on the table. There was stuff as always you had to cut. It happens with every game, but they were more so saying, "No, like we got everything we needed to do done. We didn't feel like there was something lost because of the time we had spent on the game." And I think that just speaks to the amount of stuff that Bethesda handed them. So yeah, of course they were they were set up in a good position, but they're also talented. So they took the ball and ran with it. Of course they should. So I don't see why. Um, I have a pretty strong gut feeling. What I was going to say a couple of minutes ago was since I made this video about the future of Fallout, which has been doing pretty well, and I think a lot of people just share the same feelings I was experiencing, is I've been just getting reached out to a lot. Of people saying, like, have you heard the rumor that a couple of podcasts have been saying um, apparently In Exile is making a Fallout game? And... I don't know. I don't know anything about those rumors. Like, I don't know if they're true, false, whatever. But when I heard it, I'm like, that makes sense. They just finished Wasteland Three. I'm sure they were foaming at the mouth when Bethesda joined. It's an opportunity to take Fallout back to its roots. There's so much about right. it that it's exciting. I mean, Wasteland Three. Just I look at that and I'm like, my God, if they made a Fallout with that much choice, I would fucking lose it. I really would. They are working on a new IP, though, which is, like, AAA-level Unreal Engine 5 first-person shooter steampunk game. It's like, well, now we've got ourselves a little bit of a different situation. But I keep hearing that, and I've, I've always found that peculiar since I've made that video. Yeah. Anyway, great question from Pearson. You're forgiven for your, your, your Daxter transgressions. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Let's move on to Sean Mason. Hey, sexy boys. This past weekend, I was doing some yard work. It included the typical mowing the lawn, watering the plants, trimming the hedges, etc. But when I got to the part where I was weeding my garden, it occurred to me that pulling weeds is arguably the most underrated, pleasurable feeling in the world. The satisfaction you get from pulling a weed out of the ground is like no other. When I told my fiance, she looked at me like I had three heads. Am I crazy? So my question is, what are some of the most underrated, pleasurable feelings? Best, Sean M. This this question can go south real fast. I'm curious if you have an answer for this. Here's something I enjoy that is underrated. He touched his uh, mic and everything for our audio listeners and kind of tilted his head up. So I'm, I'm even more invested in this answer. Full on grip. Yeah. When you open a new jar of peanut butter <laughs> and you get to be the first knife and it's like perfectly smooth oh, on the top. Oh my god, that's so you know what true. I'm talking about? Yeah, you're so you right. To, I didn't you get think... to break break it in. Oh, I love that. I look forward to it. 
And so funny. You know, here's the thing. You got to share. You got to oh. share the love of only one person can do this. And you don't, unless you're like making peanut butter, like you got a full family or whatever. Like Holly and I, it's not, you know, maybe once every other month, maybe we're getting peanut butter just because we're not using it all the time. But if mm-hmm. if we get a new jar and I see that Holly has uh, broken it in, I'm a little a little disappointed. Yeah, you know? but especially if I understand. you're that second scoop. You're not the first one. You're the second one. You're like, this is new, but it's there's some kind of virginity dr- joke in this right now. I would you know, say being yeah. the first. Yeah, we'll let the audience figure that out. Of course, but I'm trying to think of other oddly satisfying things. I got one. I... Okay, go for it. I guess it's more of a pleasurable scent. Mm. But it makes the act more pleasurable. This, once again, really, yeah, it just really does sound like something you can just take the other way. Uh, pumping gas. I like to pump oh, gas. Oh, I have no a lot. pleasure in that. I love to pump gas. The smell mm. of gasoline is amazing to me. I would never wear it as a cologne. If I were anywhere but the gas station, it would be disgusting. But Maddie when House gas confirmed. Yeah, when you're in that moment and the gas just seeping into your car. And the aroma starts to come out. I'm like, wow, oh, this is great. I, I, I mm. gaze about, taking the traffic nearby. I'm just like, life is good. There's a fresh air moment about pumping your gas that I don't think enough people just tip their cap to. It's a moment to collect yourself, to think. But what I don't like is these sons of bitches at the gas station are starting to put fucking advertisement TVs have you noticed oh. this? In the station, I'm like, this is so borderline neo-futuristic, you know, over-corporate, right. like, exertion where ads are everywhere. Look at our cool products. I intentionally, Dustin, put my gas in and I look the other way. I do not look at these ads because I'm like, no, no. This is like, look, I think of the game Remember Me, like this very corporate-driven Paris, this neo-futuristic Paris I do not need this type of feeling in my real life. So it's like, I'm not watching your fucking ads. Fuck off. So long story short, pumping gas. Great experience. Dude, the gas station by my house, they have those, um, which when they first installed them, they weren't muted. So like you would instantly get blasted with ads as soon as you started Mm. pumping gas. I think they now have made them muted by default, probably because too many people were annoyed. I wish I could enjoy pumping gas. And you know you. I think that the the smell of gas is is fine. Like I, I can understand people liking it. Um, obviously, uh, for the YouTube, since you uh, since you uh, demonetized us last week, we do not contone huffing gas. We're just saying oh, about no. the light scent. Yeah, uh, of gas yeah, of is course. fine. I just can't help but think about like <laughs> gas is a useful thing, and I'm not saying that like it should be free. I just hate spending money on gas. Yeah, I just hate it. I'm like, yeah. man. This sucks. Yeah, it's just like it's just a, a thirty to forty sink. bucks or whatever, just uh, out the window. Whatever. I have a really good one that I feel more okay. strongly about than gas, and I think okay. this is one the audience will understand. When you're vacuuming, and you hit that patch where your vacuum just catches a lot of I don't know dirt, pebbles, whatever, mm. and you're the and you hear it all come up the tube, and you're like, yeah, I just cleaned the fuck out of my floor. That to me, oh, yeah. is nothing better than that. Now, maybe okay. I like carpets. So maybe this is a carpet guy thing. I see some carpet behind you. I don't know if the rest of your house is carpet or if it's hardwood floor, but upstairs carpet, downstairs no carpet. Okay. Do you do you feel this same passion I do for when you're you're vacuuming? 
to me, it's not satisfying because you're just hearing like it's a humming right. as you're going around like your crackles. room. And then, yeah, you hear the crackle of like, got it. Yeah. I fucking got it. And and you know right. you hit a spot that was dirty and it was all justifiable and, and it feels good. And then you start to see the lines forming because your, your vacuum cleaner is really combing this floor. It's doing a good job right. keeping things nice and clean. And it looks like a whole new room when you're done. There's a great feeling there. That is a great feeling. I do enjoy that, that crackle. Uh, I got two more. Two quick ones. How about that? And then we'll we can move on. Yep. Number one, I know you shouldn't do this. Everyone, the online on the package, it says do not do this. Everyone, I encourage doing it anyway. Maybe not everyone. I don't know. <laughs> you have to take take the risk. Getting out of the shower, Maddie. Mm-hmm. Cleaning your ear with a little Q-tip. Oh yeah, oh, I yeah. love that. Especially because it's like your ears wet, so you're like drying it off mm-hmm. at the same time. They say it did not stick. Obviously, you don't want to stick it far in your ear. Yeah. You could hurt it. But they say that you shouldn't even use that at all. Um, but. Why? You know, I, I feel I, like this happens all the time in my life. It's like this new well, thing that you've been doing all your life is actually killing you. I feel like I see that all the time. Right. So. Yeah, I, I understand the arguments like, oh, it can push the earwax further in your ear. I don't know. I've never – I've been doing this for, for years. I've never – I don't know. Maybe it just a, depends on your earwax buildup or whatever. But Yeah, right. So the other one real quick, this is a really weird one that I find satisfying is when you – my PC, when it's – run like when I was running um, Back for Blood, I could feel like heat coming out of it and i was like yeah it's really kicking <laughs> up now it's like when a like a car like a car like the engine purrs or whatever i'm like when i feel the heat from my pc i'm like yeah mm-hmm. it's like i i built this pc obviously i mean it's like stupid because obviously components are going to give off heat but when it's like the airflow is working and like even it's like it's getting a nice image and it's like hot coming out i'm like awesome Man. i have a special delivery maddie I that i say, just arranged everyone is in this room now we got Holly. Thank you. We've got, of course, Holly brought the me dog. the some coffee with oh, the Weep King. Hell yeah, mug. Hell yeah. I'm trying to think. And Frisky has been in here the whole time. Yeah, I noticed that. So, I saw. I, yeah, I, she, I laughed she got in a little sentence because he was like to the left of the camera, just sitting there. <laughs> right. Yeah. She. Um. She. She was actually sleeping on this futon the whole time until Holly came in, and that like disturbed her, and then she I, was ready to go. So that whole time we were but, recording, she was there. Yep. She was just like kind of dark, like probably say, right around in here. I could not see her at all. That's hilarious. <laughs> but Holly, I I low key texted her. I was like, "Hey, would you mind making some coffee?" She said, "No problem." What a great one. Um, Good for you. And then she said, "It's done." I was like, "Could you please please bring it? like?" Because I knew we have a couple more questions. I was yeah. I was desperate for this coffee. Is right there now. a photo of you on that? Holly made this for me for Christmas because there's a joke in the Last Stand Discord about me being the Weeb King. Right. She found this picture of me as a kid. Oh my god. Uh, with a Burger King hat on. That is amazing. And <laughs> then on this side it says, uh, "Anime was a mistake." Hal Miyazaki, <laughs> which is an actual thing that he said. Yeah, I do remember him saying. <laughs> yeah. So Holly, Holly made this for me for Christmas. It's a very, very good mug. Brandon Stark wrote in again. 
the audacity, a double dip. The audacity. He took a natural calamity route here. Yeah, he did. Howdy, gents. After the advice Maddie and Coach Blue gave me last week, just a little bit of context. This was in our Patreon Q&A episode, so some of our listeners may not know what this is. I've been inspired to actually start on some creative projects. While I have just a few podcast ideas on paper, I spent much of the last week setting up and streaming Red Dead 2 on my Twitch channel. It's been fun, even though I'm just streaming with two people in chat. Dustin, as a guy who streams often, do you have any advice for someone new to Twitch? Thanks again, Maddie and Coach, for helping me get off my ass and actually doing something. Our pleasure, Brandon. Best of luck on your adventure. Dustin, you're the streamer of all of us here, I'd say, at last stand. Mm. Any yeah. tips and tricks? Um, I think the key for me, especially recently, is that streaming isn't fun this sounds so obvious but streaming isn't fun if you're not doing things that you enjoy while you stream Mm -hmm. like especially after e3 i really was hoping i'd be able to get partner by having my average up from doing the watch alongs so i was really focusing in on trying to do stuff that would get viewers and it made me not enjoy streaming that's never really been my goal with streaming is viewers but because I had that opportunity to maybe get partnership, I was focusing in. It ended up not working out. But mm. I realize now, it's like, you know what? I'm just going to stream what I want to stream. And I make my streams as interactive as possible in hopes that people that enjoy it are coming regardless of the game. You know, because they enjoy the community or the environment that I create within the game. So. Right. I would just encourage you that you have to be enjoying what you play uh, when you stream or else you're going to start resenting streaming just because, you know, and it's hard too because I know that there's a lot of success in streaming the same game, right? Like becoming a certain type of streamer, but I don't know. Like if you're not enjoying it, what's the point? Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you want to change it up, Obviously, that doesn't mean there should be no strategy, but that's the other tip that I would uh, I would say also is just that unless you have to figure out what you're offering as a streamer, I'm not offering like pro level gameplay. <laughs> like, yeah. obviously, like I feel like I'm I'm pretty good at Souls games. I played through all of them on stream, which is not <laughs> playing those games for an audience is not easy. But I'm not like the guy that's doing a no-hit run. It's an additional challenge. Oh, a lot of backseat. Yeah. Yes. I'm not the guy that's doing no-hit runs. So my goal with my streams is to be as interactive as possible with the chat. Um, And that's what people like Mm -hmm. about my streams. They feel like they can be connected uh, with me and other members of the chat. So think about it from the perspective of your viewers and what you think your viewers would want you know um very that's a very important thing if you're not offering anything or if you're like you know maybe this perspective like man i really am not offering anything how can i change that to make my stream appealing right something to think about there we go good advice golden goose is up next although we've already answered this i just wanted to acknowledge it howdy gentlemen hope all is well with you both just wanted to see if either of you got into the Back for Blood beta and what you think of it. After playing almost all of the available content, this game has my attention, actually. For me, it felt like a bigger budget, Left for Dead. I do have a few gripes with it, but overall, very happy and can now say the game is on my radar. Thanks, and keep pumping out the amazing work you both do. Our pleasure, Golden Goose. And uh, most of our show this week was actually dedicated to 
Back for Blood. So you got your answer at the start of this, damn it. All right. Natural Calamity is up next, and then Lactose the Intolerant, and then we are done. Greetings, Green Eggs and Necromorphic Space Zombies, in other words, Dustin and Maddie. First off, I want to congratulate Maddie on his video, Life and Death of Dead Space. I really loved all your points. And while I think you were tough on Dead Space 3, I did rather enjoy the video, and I appreciate the blood, sweat, and tears you put into the project. Thank you. Yes, I was surprised. Not a lot of people rose up to defend the absolute massacre I gave Dead Space 3. Question 1. With the Halo Infinite multiplayer being received well, do you see them slowly adding more modes into the preview? And do you think the game being free-to-play will make every game mode viable? Where there will be games to be made instead of, in the past, to be hard to find out, or fill out, sorry, the game list with the amount of players needed. So we'll start off with that. You expect them to add more modes with uh, each test? Hmm. I would think so. Because um, there's different level amount of players and stuff like that and balancing things that need to be tested. Mm-hmm. I mean, this one, this... uh. This preview didn't even when it started. It was just bots, right? Yeah. So like they're starting from the very base. I would imagine they would definitely want to test that other stuff. They want to make sure that that it's clear from the way they've treated this game from before anyone even played it that they want to be hitting the ground running day one, <laughs> especially from three four three with their the last launch they had of a Halo game being Master yeah. Chief Collection just being an absolute shit show. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely expect more modes. I agree. And I think, I don't know if they're going to test out every single mode, like SWAT technical test. Uh, I don't think they're going to test out, like, all Slayer, you know, like all this stuff. Like, I don't think they're right. going to hit every single mode because they're probably just, like Dustin said, a lot of this is just stress testing the servers, seeing how much they can handle. And so if 4v4 works really well, then it's like, okay, they've got their answer for any modes in 4v4, you would imagine. Uh, So I imagine you'll see a big team battle technical test. I would be shocked if they didn't do that. I think that's really important that they nail that. Um, But beyond that, I don't think they're going to do every single mode. And I do think because it's free to play, they will fill out these lists easier because there'll just be naturally more players provided the game is good. Because we've seen free to play games die out. Question two. There are some files found in the back end of Halo that suggest there will be a battle royale, but instead of asking you if you think there would be or won't be, I ask what are some ideas you have where he says 505. Oh. <laughs> is, there, is this a joke? There's 505 games that make uh, their publisher. They published Remedy or uh, the most recent Remedy game. Do you think Control. he mixed it up with 343? Yeah, I think so. That's, that's actually kind of cool. <laughs> where 505 could make it more attuned to a Halo evolving the Battle Royale formula. Um, hmm. That's the thing is, I feel like the DNA of a Battle Royale is already baked into the gameplay of a standard Halo match with the pickups, with the progression where you have base stuff that's serviceable, but the stuff around the map and the equipment is all things that will elevate you above other players except it's more predetermined rather than legendary tier-based. So I have a little bit of trouble thinking of this. I think the vehicles are there too. What do you feel could be added to make a battle royale a little bit better? I think that there's a lot of interesting things they could do uh, considering the Halo universe. They've already talked about um, the weapon drop-in 
stuff, like how the maps will be dynamic and new new weapons will be dropped in. So I could see them having equipment that's like, here's, oh, let's do a weapon drop in here with the squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone hops in a warthog to get closer to the center of the circle. Uh, maybe even flying a pelican or something. That would be really interesting. Yeah. Uh, in addition, though, too, thinking about, I'm wondering if it would be possible to kind of implement, specifically just for the BR mode, like different tiers of weapons. Kind of like Fortnite has like the gray weapon, which is the most common, but it's the least powerful. And as you play, you can find like the green and then the blue and the purple and then a gold tier right. that like you are current. You know, that's an important aspect of Battle Royales is that you are searching the search for loot, better loot. So that would be a change up to the standard arena style. All weapons are one type. But, you know, I would be okay with that change for doing a, a Battle Royale style. I do like this idea of, you know, if you're playing a Battle Royale, if let's say you have a squad or of, of three or four people, mm-hmm. and that you do you find you have another squad of three or four and having a Halo, ba- a mini battle yeah. uh, within a BR. And then there's like, oh, there's some dude that's a sniper on the hill from another team. <laughs> I think it could be awesome. Like, yeah. I know that people there's so many battle royales now people are over it and they're they're concerned but it's like I think Halo's approach to this uh or 343s and the fact that they haven't even announced a BR mode they're making it clear that the core of what Halo is is what the focus is of this multiplayer right and they've already proven to people or at least so far we don't want to confirm things too early that it's good mm-hmm. so once they convince everybody that they've accomplished goal number one, which is making a good Halo multiplayer suite, then they'll be like, hey, also, we've got this kick-ass Battle Royale mode. Yeah. Uh, I think then the fans would be much more receptive to this idea. Well put. Um, I feel like it would be cool. I'm I'm interested in the idea of a Halo Battle Royale. Not that it's going to be the main mode I play, mm-hmm. but um, I, I'm yeah. in, I think it could be cool. Well put, and I agree with everything you said. 100%. I think that they could, once they make a good Halo multiplayer, could bring it straight into Battle Royale and make something that people would be very attracted to. But I think they have something to prove first. And I think it's very right. relieving to know they feel they have something to prove, right? Like they understand. Yeah. Last question of the show goes to Lactose the Intolerant 869. Gonna cut right to the nitty gritty here. Maddie, I must know, you've mentioned your sock collection and how you like having your white boy drip going i don't know if i even said i didn't say it like that so i gotta ask what are your some of your favorite combo socks and shoes is it the spongebob set you mentioned or something we don't know about yet now don't think i forgot about the other illustrious co-host dustin when do you get your desire for an alcoholic beverage where do you go to i personally like a painkiller or a paloma something that i can drink and transport myself to a beach with thanks for the continued content boys keep it up interesting diverse questions here and it shows type of people we are me the sock yeah. collector dustin Furman, mr i'll have a drink it seems yeah well or at it's, least it's up difficult the vibe, perhaps i was a bartender for a while right so and i i worked at a, a speakeasy that did drinks and stuff so right i don't drink very much anymore though just because i don't know i i have a weird not a weird relationship with alcohol but i often i easily get sick from alcohol so mm-hmm. i don't drink very often 
but I do like fine bourbons and, and cocktails and, and craft beers, but um, I just have them uh, with discretion. Not not because of like, I, I, dude, my body would never let me be an alcoholic. Yeah, so it's never been like that kind way. of thing. Yep. I'm but the same way. Go to drinks are, I mean, all depends. You got to think about the vibe or the atmosphere that you're in. Right. You know, when, uh, maybe with, uh, with, uh, I don't know if you're having a conversation with friends, old fashioned or bourbon is a great go-to cause you're sipping, uh, and you're talking outdoor party. Definitely want to go for some beers. I personally, my favorite beer. Uh, well I like stouts, like dark beers, but those aren't great for parties and stuff. That's like a yeah. great winter beer. Yeah. I love this beer from a brewery called 21st Amendment called Heller High Watermelon, which I don't like fruit fruity beers at all. This is the exception though, and it's like one of my favorite beers ever. It's just mm-hmm. a nice it's like when you drink it, it's n- it's nowhere near overwhelming watermelon. It's just like a hint, like when you right. finish the sip. It's very good. And then a summer go-to for me, my last choice, gin and tonic. You can't go wrong mm. with a gin and tonic. I like Beef Eater gin. That's my favorite gin. Nice. It's a little more expensive than getting something like uh, New Amsterdam or, or whatever. But, you know, Bombay Sapphire is good, too, or whatever. But right. my favorite is Beef Eater. But, Maddie, socks and shoes, are you – how many are you a shoe guy? Do you have lots of lots of lots of shoes? I incidentally am. Mm-hmm. I also, by the way, want to just shout out Crown Royal with ginger ale. You're Crown Royal boy. I've never had Crown Royal, but if, all my friends have made fun of it. If you like, it's sweet, like a basic. Yeah, if you like sweet, I mean, hey, if it's basic, yeah. it's a good time. Basic, hey, drink. <laughs> <a good drink. laughs> right? That's what like, I think I, is that I haven't had it in years, but it it was definitely my go to in the summers for sure. That was one. There's really very liked. few alcoholic drinks where I'm like. That's legitimately bad. Like for yeah. the most part, I'm like one of those guys. that's like drink what you want to drink. I don't care. Yeah, I'm the same. Whatever, way. whatever makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will give you maybe a little bit of side eye with certain like uh, you know light beers and stuff like mm-hmm. that. That's okay. like, eh. but you know whatever. I really don't. The silent care judgment of Dustin. I understand. The silent judgment. Yeah. Uh, as for my yeah my shoe collection, like I've noticed over the years that I have amassed a shoe collection big enough to have in my closet, like one of those shoe racks that, you know, has like a ton right. of slots in them. And so I got probably like 18 pairs of shoes that I just pull out for, I, I will say they don't just sit there. I do use them for all manner of occasion and outfit. I'm very much, I, I very much make use of these shoes. They're not just impulse buys. Cause that's the thing. I'm not like a sneaker head where, you know, oh, these kicks are fresh. I'm going to buy these. And I'm not like that. But I like to build a collection, if you will. Um, my my The ones I do buy, as like, a, ah, I need to get these, are Vans crossovers. They do some really fun ones. They did SpongeBob, Marvel. They did Mickey Mouse. My dog, Revan, fucking ate them. They're like $400 Dude. shoes now. Yeah, I know. Dog's lucky. I love them. But yeah. beyond that, um, you know, I got normal guy shoes or what I like to call them. Just like nice, clean, blank colors. Uh, I've got boots, all different things. Um, and then I'm, I'm big on, you know, I, I notice this with people's outfits. And so maybe cause I notice it is why I'm so attentive to it. 
but your sock will peek through every now and then. And if your sock's not really blending, your outfit can suddenly look a little silly. So if I'm wearing some dark gray pants, I'm wearing some nice black shoes, maybe I like put my foot up or I sit in my chair or I'm sitting down. Then the, the pants come up a little bit. And you see on my ankles are a pair of bright white high socks. It's like, well, you didn't think about that. That doesn't look right. So I get pretty loud with my socks, you know, and I'll, I'll wear like I have a SpongeBob set of Vans with a little bit of SpongeBob socks. I'll combine those fuckers and put on gym shorts and it looks fire. Oh, shit. Yeah. I Damn. my sense of style knows no bounds as I sit here in a dry fit. Um, yeah, I, I'm I have Dragon Ball socks. I have like normal athletic socks. I have gym sharks. Um, I have Kingdom Hearts socks, Dustin. I have, what else do I have? What brands? Those are the main ones. Of course, dress socks. Those are the main ones that are coming to mind right now. There's so many. It's a, so my underwear drawer for video watcher of viewers is is like this. Nice tight drawer. Got some briefs, got some boxers, the occasional manscaped underwear in there. And then my Those are nice. They are really nice. I was talking to my friend about it. I mean, it. we were we were we've both been sponsored by Manscaped, so that's yeah. we should make that clear. But those that pair that they sent us, holy shit. Those are the nicest pair of bre- boxer briefs that I own. Game changers, man. Seriously. And that, my friend was asking me about it. He was like, you know, do you know a like, good pair of underwear?" I was like, "I'm telling you, man, like out of any premium underwear, like every brand I've worked with, like Manscaped is fucking awesome. Their shit is so comfortable." But yeah, like they're the, the underwear drawer is like this tight, like it's a couple inches high. Everything fits in there nicely. And then my sock drawer, once again, video viewers, it's like this. Much larger, filled to the brim. You can dig around and find new a new pair of socks. If I have an overabundance of anything, it is my socks. Um and it's because, you know, sometimes uh when you're wearing business clothes a lot, you know, the only way you have to get a little loud is uh maybe throwing on a pair of Dragon Ball socks beneath the the slacks. Mm. And so that's how I roll. I'm big on socks. I'll be I'll be last stand live, I'll be checking out socks. I'll be seeing who's matching what. Not just in our group, but in general. I'll be seeing who's who went to that effort to make sure their socks didn't match with uh the rest of their outfit. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Man. Very I'm so excited for this event, dude. Yeah, it's it's gonna we're going to be we're gonna be. Uh, oh well, I have a, a surprise. It's a uh, small surprise. Oh, <laughs> I was gonna say it, and then I was like, "Wait!" I did. I had decided in my mind that I was gonna make that a surprise, so I'm okay. not gonna say it. But oh. man, I'm gonna. I'm trying to figure out if I can get everybody to come to my house that weekend. Well, you're the uh, owner like maybe of the Friday home. night. So Friday night, have everybody here sure. after dinner or something. Yeah, that might be fun. Yeah, I mean, of course. And then we can fight I'm in down. my backyard. Yes, I would love fight. that. Everyone asks, like, who the strongest is in Last Stand. We're going to put that to the test. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I was watching the uh, video. Yeah, <laughs> he seems like a big guy. I was watching the the video of you and Ben talking about your behind-the-scenes stuff for Last Stand. Ben's a big guy. Ben, yeah. ben, ben would beat the shit out of me, I think. And right. I, I don't know. I think I'm at the bottom of the he barrel no here. Speed, with, I don't know if I'm – because, like, I just started working out again, so my muscles are o- omega-fatigued where, like, any reaction speed I have now has been sliced in half. 
So my mm. speed, really, it's it's not there. So I feel like I feel like I'm at the bottom of the barrel in the last stand media strength charts right now. Yeah, I thought that would be me, but I don't know. Once once we can size each other up <laughs> in person, where does Colin then... get placed? Uh, Colin's been working out as well. He's oh. he's slimmed down. Yeah. Oh, shit. So hmm. Colin, if Colin was jacked, that'd be fucking wild. Just for the event, like he somehow is able to hide it on video or whatever, yeah. and he just shows up. He's like, yeah, he just he's got a six pack and everything. That actually, I'd probably laugh more than be high yeah. for him. Like I, I just the idea of Colin being jacked. <laughs> yeah. All right. Damn, dude. That's everything we got for episode three thirteen, Dustin. It's been a blast as always. Um, and beyond that, I just want to once again call to attention for those who have been longtime listeners. Keep an eye out in the coming episodes. We'll have some things to talk about very shortly on the future of this show and, and some other things that I plan on announcing soon. So just keep an ear open. I want to make sure the audience knows. I alluded to at the beginning of the show. Here at the end, I just want to make sure I keep looping us in. I'm deciding a couple of things. So we'll talk then. But Dustin, any closing thoughts? No closing thoughts. I'm going to take it easy Nice today. Good. I think that... I'm going to either watch some of the Evangelion rebuild movies because the the new one is coming on Amazon very soon. Right. Or maybe I'll just watch Sopranos. I don't know. Mm, but those are two no. vastly different things. They're very different things, but both very appealing to yes. my interests. So, other than that, though, I'm trying to think for a hashtag idea. Mm-hmm. Um, what comes to mind instantly for me from uh, Sean Mason's question: hash underrated pleasure. Yeah. Because this show could certainly serve as one, right? So, yeah, if you got this deep. Let us know. Hashtag underrated pleasure at Dustin can fly at G two seven status on Twitter. Or if you don't want to go to that length, that's fine. We're happy to see you in the comments anyway. And with sure. that, thank you all so much for listening to episode three thirteen of the Hammer Radio podcast. And we'll catch all of you next time with episode three fourteen. Peace out. See ya.